This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Dark Phoenix. Find out which mutant gets not used this week. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly, recover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back to other movie topics. This is episode 366. 366? Oh, wow. It's an even episode. I know. Now, last week, I assured everyone that with 365, we have one episode for every day of the year. That was a lie. And those of you that caught on, you were correct. Because <laughs> what about leap years, guys? What about leap years? Now we've got well, it all covered. Yeah. Here it is. There it is now, right there. Yeah, well, you know what? We should just tell everybody. The show is done now. So you, yeah. have, you can listen to one episode every year for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's 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 how the Simpsons did it. They didn't. They didn't they do, that. Did not that's, do that. We're just, we're not going to either. That's was hoping that it. they would finish with the Simpsons yeah. movie, and that Simpsons movie was not very satisfying. No one said they would finish the Simpsons movie. I was hoping that they would. <laughs> no. That would have been nice. It's too much money being made. Exactly. Yeah. That movie made successful. money. It was successful. Anyway, what are we talking about this week on 366? Dark Phoenix. Ooh. The Speaking of things that are final chapter. The, pre- presumably the final chapter of can't the... Tell if you, yeah, can't you tell Fox, if you're using air quotes right now? Of the Fox X-Men franchise. We're talking, yeah, we're talking Dark Phoenix. And joining us today to talk Dark Phoenix, we have, from Cinema Blend, he just landed the Blackbird and is ready for a lecture from the professor. It's Eric Eisenberg. How's it going, guys? Super happy to be here. Also joining us from Forbes and Superhero Hype, he just changed the Danger Room settings to 11. It's Luke Thompson. <laughs> no, I suck at games. I would change them to 1, probably. <laughs> or point, or point 0.1, maybe negative 1. The Danger Room, not a game, Luke. <laughs> it's how they train to, to take care of people's lives. <laughs> it's still a game to me, damn it. <laughs> Howdy, how guys. Are, how are you two doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I, this, as we were talking about pre-show, uh, this is a movie that is very easy to talk about in, uh, fun terms. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go dig into this, dig into this conversation. I'm hot, as we established also in the pre-show conversation. <laughs> and now, and without mean, context, you're not sure if it means himself physically or, you know, the temperature. Sure. Oh, definitely the temperature. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's never the other one. It's a warm day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, alright, well, good to have you guys here we'll, we'll get to all this chatter about Dark Phoenix and more But first up, let's do some uh, show notes Where we go over some uh, quick things that are going on um, First up, commentary track uh, It is a new month, it is now June of 2019 Which means that we have a new, it's the second week of the month Actually, we had a new month last week But regardless, it's our new commentary coming uh, very soon We're going to talk about Alien this month The original 1979 Ridley Scott feature uh, it celebrated its 40th anniversary this year, and so why not talk about Alien? That's going to be the plan. We're going to record that later this week. That should be up either by the end of this week or next week. But yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be a good one for sure. And uh, what else? Uh, we currently have a contest going. We do. Yeah. Uh, in honor of Godzilla, uh, which we talked about last week, uh, but we have a I have a Blu-ray copy of Destroy All Monsters, the 1968 Godzilla classic. And um, I'm going to send that and some other movie stuff, whatever I decide to grab and put into a box, uh, to one lucky winner. All they have to do is go onto our Facebook page or our Twitter page or our email at notpodcast.gmail.com 
and give us the answer of what is your favorite Godzilla villain or adversary and why? That's all you have to do. Just list a, one of his many villains and just explain why that's your favorite one. Uh, put if that anyone out there. chooses the one that I have in my mind, I will send you a high five. I look forward to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, easy enough. We'll choose one uh, random winner out of the, the entries that we get. And we'll send you a, a copy of Destroy All Monsters and whatever else we put yeah, in there. Simple way to Limited to movie. U.S. and Canada participants only. Uh, but <laughs> no, feel free, everybody. No, we write like a whole long list of, of uh, terms and conditions so you can just say it super fast. Exactly. Well, you, you write it up, I'll, write, I'll read it out. <laughs> That's the deal. Uh, but yeah, that, that, well, I look forward to getting entries regardless, even if you you know, can't actually get the prize. It's still fun to just read things about you know, Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's our contest. That's up now. Um, what else? Our summer gamble. Uh, we have it going, Abe. Yeah, and, I've been uh, checking up on it from time to time, kind of plug it into a formula that I have. And, uh, so far, I am, uh, okay, but then again, I trail off at the end there. Well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, we, we, Abe and I, along with many other regular guests on the show, we've all predicted what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. And yeah, we got two more entries this week with The Secret Life of Pets, which I think most of us bet fairly high on given the, how well the last one did. Whoops. And less so <laughs> to Dark Phoenix. I think most of us, some of us didn't have it on at all. I know I didn't. I had it as a dark horse. Um, but yeah, and fittingly, Secret Life of Pets, 47 million this weekend. It's a chunk of change. Mm-hmm. Well, Dark Phoenix, thirty-three billion, the lowest grossing opening of any X-Men film of all time. Um, what a way to go out! I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I was on the right track when I didn't put it in the top ten, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe yeah. it has super strong legs. That, no, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna make a comeback. It's actually not so, so, front-loaded. It's back-loaded. that's not familiar to any X-Men movie. None of them have great legs, <laughs> even the ones that do really well. <laughs> but um, regardless, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, Aladdin. Still killing it. 230 plus million, man. Doing way better than some of us predicted. Uh, along with John Wick Chapter 3. Yeah, and, uh, that's actually a the, surprise. The year of Keanu continues, by the way. Hey, man, I have to still watch Always Be My Maybe. Aaron and I started oh, that's good. it. Yeah. yeah that was good? I, okay. I, I enjoyed I, it. Like, I was yeah. enjoying what I've seen so far. I, I look forward to us finishing it. But yeah, he's there. He's in Toy Story in a couple weeks. Yeah. He was at, he was at E3 this week. <laughs> he's, he's all over he's Keanu. All over the place. Yeah. 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 Omnipresent Keanu. He was in Replicas, which we all saw, and is in our top tens. I mean, it's just everywhere. Keanu. Did that come out in theaters? Yeah. For, for oh, like yeah, a week? Then it went away. Yeah. Replicas is how he's everywhere, though, oh, clearly. Because no, that's he'll replicate it was himself a, it's a documentary. Back. Yeah, exactly. Because we all saw it. That's what it's about, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I was just, I was nodding my head at yeah. approval. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what we saw. That's why it's in our top ten. <laughs> all right. Uh, what else? iTunes reviews and ratings. If you like this nonsense and all of our other nonsense, feel free to go on iTunes and be like, I like this nonsense by searching for right now, Third and Abe, clicking on our show, giving us a, you know, five star review, and then writing, I like all this nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Like all if of those things. Yeah, some if you write that, I will seek you out and also send you a high five. Yeah. Abe's <laughs> just handing out the high five. I know. It's, be I mean, careful. This, You're going to get a lot this, of them. This is, a, this is an offer not to miss, I would say. Yeah, I'd say that too. Yeah. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on now. Let's get to some uh, know everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to know everybody. Know everybody. All right. Hey, why don't you start this one off? Got a question for you guys. On a 10 scale, 10 being the best and 1 being the worst, how would you rate your hand acting? Hand acting? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would honestly probably give myself a 3, just because I talk with my hand way too much. And it's like, yeah, to the point that it becomes distracting. So, yeah, I even mentally have to, like, tamp that 
down. So, uh, yeah, not great. I like your honesty, because I, too, am grading myself fairly low, because I tried it out the other day. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try out what uh, what uh, what's what's her face, uh, the Ols- Elizabeth Olsen in um, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. And I was like, this is hard. <laughs> and also, Magneto's doing a little bit easier stuff. So I'm gonna give myself also like a two. <laughs> the best hand acting though is in Kid Who Would Be King. Have you seen that? The young yeah. Oh yes. my god. Yeah. yeah the Merlin in that movie. He's so yeah. good. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Huh. And then the other kid's so, best friend, like he learns some hand acting too. Yeah. Like they know what they know. What <laughs> So I'm definitely not on that scale. I I I would handicap myself because I got arthritis in my hands at a way too young an age to have that. So I'm going to say about a five. Okay. Because I I can still shatter it up when I need to. There nice. you go. I was feeling pretty strong about this up until we started leaving off examples. Where yeah, you're bringing in Merlin. <laughs> it's hard. You're, bring, you're, bring, you're bringing in Magneto. Like and now I'm thinking like Keanu Reeves and Constantine. He's doing some hand acting in that movie. Like there's there's a little bit of some hand it's, acting. There's a skill to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, better uh, the cover bats and Doctor Strange. It's like this. oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And his hands were broken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's some hair. Yeah. Yeah. Bill and Ted. So Strange the broken. He's the king of Westeros now. Yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> I so yeah. I, I'll probably stick with Luke. I'll probably be like a five. I think that's a, yeah. that's a, probably a, a good assessment until I get challenged in a, I like you know, a hand acting battle. Modest group. I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> why, 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 why promote ourselves so high in the realm of hand acting? Like, yeah, who are we, we're, we're, we're going to want to see it if we yeah. rate ourselves like an eight. We'd have to record it and be like, here's my hand acting. <laughs> I know what I'm good at. I don't need to be good at everything. <laughs> Just practice air guitar. That's a good warm-up. Oh, yeah. That's how That's Keanu good. got started. So exactly. yeah. There you go. Remember when he did that in uh, that movie, My Old Private Idaho? <laughs> That's exactly what I remember. Classic I don't want to know what he was doing with his hands in that one. <laughs> Aaron, do you have a question? Thought- I was gonna go out a little Buddha riff, but yeah, I can I can go for a question instead. <laughs> um, what I had a question, but then like one similar to mine got asked in the on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. which I'm actually happy with. We got a lot of questions. This yeah, week, so thank you for this week. Yeah. yeah, so I, I'm trying to reconfigure my question. Um, let me think. Think mode in in, in uh, progress. Okay. What? <laughs> Think, think about, thank you. Think about progress. Um, this is the one thing I meant to do earlier and yeah. I forgot to do it. It was just come up with a newer, newer everybody question. Um, I don't know. What? <laughs> if you don't have one, we can skip it. Or no. how about this? If you don't have one, just say it at any point in the show, just randomly. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll try <laughs> yeah. to think of something. Nice. All right. In the meantime, that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. It's going to be Let's a non sucker to die for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll come up with something. Yeah. Uh, okay, you know what? I got a question. <laughs> okay. All right, hit it. Since we've been talking about Keanu Reeves so much, who should he pull? What X-Men would he be? Oh, mm. I think he should be Silver Surfer. Ooh. Is he an X-Men, though? I mean, Not an he's... X-Men. That's a not Marvel an character. You're right. That's. I mean, but that's who he should play. That's the answer. You're not. Like, yeah. That, I mean, that is. Yeah. A, I like that answer. Yeah. So I'm he, gonna he's, he's got to play like everybody's favorite character, Morph. Because he, <laughs> he's yeah. got dark <laughs> hair, and he can be sad and happy, and you know, it'd be great to see him just like. Well, I guess maybe Tom Hiddleston to play Morph because he's already doing a version of it as Loki. But still, Keanu Reeves as Morph, <laughs> I'm down. Does it really turn everyone around on the character? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sinister, he kind of looks like him. Ooh, okay. That's like Eric's like favorite guy that he wants to see on the screen. I've seen your tweets, Eric. 
I mean, yeah, actually, very much so. Like, it, it is, it kind of, it's kind of, especially like knowing that we may actually get real X Men costumes now, like going into the future with the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Mister Sinister is a character who like makes every kind of sense just to make as a giant mastermind villain, and his look is fantastic. So, I mean, yeah, Mister Sinister is a villain. How could you tell that? <laughs> <laughs> It's, there's subtle. no way you can tell from wasn't, by looking at it. Wasn't he teased at the end of X-Men Apocalypse? <laughs> he was. He was. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Wasn't it supposed was. to be? Essex Corp. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there was even like a little bit in, uh, uh, Deadpool 2, because it's like Essex House is where, uh, Firefist is being kept. But, uh, yeah, they, it's something that they built up to and did absolutely nothing with. So, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Well, that's par for the course. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's out of the way. Let's move on now. Let's get to some out-now quickies. Yep. Each week and out-now, we have one week to talk about those weeks. Trademark. I don't have you with that. Abe, you were off last week. What have you seen recently? I started watching uh, the first 10 seconds of Free Solo, and I was like, you know what? I probably should have watched this in theaters. Yeah, like uh, I said, over and over again <laughs> last year. I was like, you know what? It might have even made sense to watch this in IMAX. Like, <laughs> like, like when it came out in January in IMAX, and I told you <laughs> pretty, go pretty see much, that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the first shot is like this beautiful, like, deep shot of, of a canyon and i was like oh man my tv is way too small for this uh see we talked so about I'll... things that i'm good at and one of them is hey <laughs> i'm good at recommending things in the right place to see them <laughs> so yeah i'll have to uh travel back in time to check that one out um and i also watched uh what you guys talked about last week which was godzilla king of the monsters godzilla king of the monsters is uh the the monster stuff is actually really great um the kaiju stuff is is fantastic i Big fan of just kind of like the the way that they are presented and the way that they are causing destruction all throughout the world. The human stuff is obviously, I think, to me at least questionable just in terms of the the dialogue. I mean, bad writing is bad writing. You can't really escape that, um, no matter how good some of these actors are. Um, motivations are a little bit questionable, but on the whole, it's like you know, it it's fun with all the the Godzilla stuff. And then my question was like, how tall is Godzilla? And I looked him up and it says like he's three hundred eighteen point five meters in this film. Yeah, so so pretty tall. And then I looked up King Kong, and people yeah. said like 100 feet. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. But well, it's established in Kong School Island, which I said last week on the show. Uh-huh. As John C. Riley explains, he's still growing. He's a, he's a baby. He's still, yeah. yeah he's, he's, a, he's, he's still an adolescent. And I was in the 70s, so there's, you know, at least 30 years, well, or 40 years. So he's going to grow 200 more feet, and there's going to fight. 50 years. 50 years. 50 years. By, yeah, by the time it, yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I, what am I talking about? Yeah, 50 I don't years. know. This <laughs> is yeah. a decade off. It's yeah, fine. I'm, yeah, I'm it's... glad that you're fact checking, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so on the yeah, whole. I correct you know, Abe, and then Eric corrects me. It works out. <laughs> yeah, it works out. It's called teamwork, makes a dream work. Um, Godzilla Can the Monsters. You know what? It's kind of actually mindless fun. Um, but the human stuff kind of just like very, very just like, wow, I, I didn't need any of this exposition, and I really didn't need any of this other stuff that people are talking about, but, you know, it's there, and they are fairly good actors there, so it's a pass. I, uh, not to recount all of Godzilla King of the Monsters, I'll yeah. just say, I like that group of characters. Like, <laughs> I just, I had fun with them. I, I, I enjoyed what they did. And, instead of going, instead of me going into it, I would recommend anybody read Matt Zoller's Sites' Twitter about Godzilla King of the Monsters. He's had so much insight into this movie and all the various allegories it digs into and what it's trying to say. Like, he's had some fascinating reads on this film. I'd also like to add that I think that, Aaron, you, you probably picked up on a lot more Easter eggs than, than I probably did. Oh, for sure. The- I mean, there's tons of Easter eggs, but I don't, I don't think that impedes the... It's not like... It's not, it's not handled in a way where it's like, 
you can't enjoy this movie because you don't sure. recognize yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i didn't notice and it's something i was seeing online so it's not as though it's like a hard like nudge of my ribs like did you see that one it's like no i, mean, I, I think the thing tough. that you're coming to see is there <laughs> in space right honestly okay. <laughs> i do want to say that you know mvp of the movie mothra dude but yeah i mean i mean i think all the monsters deliver i uh, yeah as much, no as, favorites. as much as I, well, as much as I think Rodan is a giant dick because he is, <laughs> yes. he ha- like his action sequence is badass. So. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed his like sonic boom destroying the world kind of thing as he's flying away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you I can know. get us sucked into a Godzilla podcast, so I'm gonna stop it right now. Yeah, let's, let's I, keep going. Like I, you, know, you know how excited I was, and, and I'm very I also happy that it lastly, delivered. yeah, my last uh, TM is uh, I, Moneyball is on AMC or something like that, and so I will never not watch Moneyball. All right. Yeah. Uh, Luke, let's go to you. What have you seen recently? I've been uh, rewatching the Batman movies on 4K with my wife seeing them for the first time because she was born about the same time the first one came out. Nice. So she is, she has lived, she has never not lived in the age of the cinematic comic book movie. And uh, it's been very interesting rewatching them with her again because, uh, for one, she's like, wow, Tim Burton was good. And then for another. <laughs> For another, she said that Jack Nicholson was the most terrifying character she's ever seen on screen. I said, well, even like Pennywise and Freddy Krueger, she's like, well, obviously not the horror characters, but you know what I mean. And, of course, and finally, this is a revelation to me. She said, whoever dressed Michael Keaton in blue jeans had no idea how terrible his ass was going to look in them. And that (laughs) he has the worst ass that she's ever seen in a movie in that scene where he's in blue jeans in the Batcave. And this was completely new to me, obviously. I I only noticed the asses in the Schumacher ones because he points the camera directly at them. But uh, Keaton's is apparently really, really bad. That said, I really enjoy revisiting them. Batman Forever I like a lot less than I used to because I think at the time it there wasn't a lot to compare it to, and now there is. But uh, the Tim Burton ones I appreciate more. I um I've read your posts on Batman and Batman Returns, and uh, the thing specifically about Batman Returns that's what I I've, the thing that you wrote is basically what I've been saying ever since I've seen Batman Returns like on the in the multiple times since initially seeing it, where it's like if you look at any frame of this movie it's a Tim Burton movie like there's no mistaking yes. that and that yeah. and I that's to me why it stands out strong in Tim Burton's canon. And for a, and for a, and a lot of people's th- there's a lot of bests in that movie. Like I think it's one of Danny DeVito's best performances. I think it's Dan, uh, Danny Elfman's best oh, yeah. score. Like yeah. I, there's just there's a lot of things that work for me in that film. Uh, and it really is best when everything can, everything came yeah. together for Burton and Elfman that mm-hmm. like now is their cliches, but it was the first time it all came together to become the thing that we know them for. Right. And so quick question: How does the 4K look? Or is there not really? We a, had this a conversation last week too with Brandon we? talking about the 4Ks. Yes, you went, uh, <laughs> of the, all the Batman movies. We we yeah, got yeah, into that's, a, that's a, a, like, like a good five minute the... tangent about the 4K transfers yeah. of these movies. <laughs> I think we suffice to say they're very good, right? I mean, that's that's where it comes down to. They're very good transfers. Generally, they're very good. Uh, there's there's one shot in the original Batman that of the of the parade that's really bad and i've talked to some other people and they recall it being really bad in the original as well so i think that was an element they were working with uh, i think the backgrounds work a lot better in batman returns than i've ever seen them because they, they used to look way more soundstagey and fake to me and they integrate a little better batman forever it seems like they really had the absolute best elements it's super clear you can see all of you can see the moles on val kilmer's face in great detail <laughs> 
And aside from the one CG shot that I think everyone who's seen it will remember what that is, that has not aged well, but exactly. it looks beautiful. <laughs> it, there, it looks like they spent a lot of money on it, and you see every detail. And whether you like the movie or not, yeah, it's flawless looking. Okay. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really. Batman and Robin, I've only watched with the commentary track so far because I'm saving the narrative watch for the wife who has, isn't re- isn't quite ready for it yet. But <laughs> mm-hmm. it all it also looks ridiculously great and like they wasted just tons of money on it, which they did. So uh, aside from everything else, yeah, the visuals are fantastic in that. I mean, I'm at a point where even though I like I don't overall like Batman and Robin, I have more. I just I I lean towards saying more good things than bad because it's. As Brandon Peters on the show said last week, it's like it's boring just to talk about the things that we all agree on. Yes, it's over the top, and the one-liners are cheesy, and all this stuff. But like, it looks like a movie that costs way too much money. It has production value that's crazy. It has more tactile feeling than a lot of superhero movies we see today that I think work in its favor. And the core story, I think, is strong. Like as far as that's all Alfred, right? He's trying to. That's where Alfred. Alfred's sick, and it's like yeah. Bruce is losing his dad, and he's also becoming a dad. It's like that's a good story. I like that. This is like a Lego Batman movie. I listened to the commentary track for the first time, and the commentary track actually made me angrier than I ever was before. Because yeah, it's, it's not a good. Yeah, Schumacher. Yeah, it, it's I, annoying it, to listen it, to him talk about this thing. And it's framed. It's framed in the public consciousness as the commentary track. As he apologizes for it, he doesn't. He sort of hypothetically takes responsibility. He says, well, I always say if you like a movie, all the crew and everyone is responsible. And if you don't like it, then the director is responsible. So I would take responsibility for it there. That's okay. his so-called apology for it. And the rest of the time, anytime something stupid happens, he's just like, people say this is silly, but it's a comic book, you know? And he That's even shoots. He even shoots down the one lifeline where, you know, the one thing you can sort of give it credit for is maybe he was going for the Adam West TV show. And he says, well, people say we were going for the Adam West TV show, but that was never on my mind. It was never on Akiva Goldsman's mind. I was like, dude, you shot down the one thing people gave you credit for just there. All right. Well, well, that That was a great Batman uh, summary. Yeah. Eric, what have you seen recently that you can talk about? Uh, you know, uh, there are a few things I can't talk about, but I will keep Booksmart in a conversation for starters. Yeah. Uh, just because the, uh, the movie slipped to number 10 at the box office this week, make like 1.5 million, like, it's falling rapidly and soon will not be talked about anymore. So, you know, I just want to say, hey, go watch this movie, because it's really super funny and great and fantastic. So, uh, yeah, big shout out there. Uh, as mentioned earlier on the show, uh, Always Be My Maybe, I watched and actually just found to be really surprised by in how much I liked it. Uh, like, the director is, uh, Nadachaka Khan, who I think is making her directorial debut. Yeah, yeah, I, checked but, uh, I was curious who was directing it. It's, she's the showrunner on, um, on, uh, uh Fresh Off the Fresh Boat. Fresh Off the Boat, yeah. And also, Uh-oh. uh, don't be, uh, don't, uh, trust to be in Apartment 23, which I think is actually a super underrated show. The uh, Jessica yeah, right, exactly. Sorry, Kristen Ritter. <laughs> um, and so, like, I've, I've always really appreciated her sense of humor, so to see her moving to the movie sphere is great. Randall Park is just crazy funny. He's just a really good actor who I always appreciate seeing. Uh, and, uh, he even gets a few musical numbers in this, which is really oh. just absolutely wonderful. Uh, cause he actually, he plays a musician. So you get a few original songs that are actually, like, legitimately funny and actually meant to be like him being talented within the movie context, which is, you know, that's something hard to take on, but 
well appreciated on my end. Uh, so I would recommend that. And uh, I also had a chance to watch I Am Mother, the uh, new sci-fi movie with Hilary Swank on Netflix, which I also really enjoyed. Like, uh, it's very simple. Uh, yeah, I watched this one, too. Like, it's, uh-huh. there's been a lot of Netflix dystopian films because they're cheaper. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can, like, one set, <laughs> few actors make it yeah, exactly. work. Exactly. Just literally two human actors that you need for the entire thing. I, I would say uh, this is one of the better ones of those. Right, exactly. And I mean, like, I, I love just closed door stories also where you just like, it's all, all of like the conflict is generated from the interpersonal relationships. And that's what this movie is for like an hour and 45 minutes. So yeah, I'm a fan. One of the friends Enjoy. of the show, Gerard Arribe from Why So Blue, he said, it's like, it's like watching like Oblivion. And I'm like, yeah, it's also like Moon. And it's, he's like, that'd be a great <laughs> triple feature. I'm like, well, it'd be a bit redundant, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Variations on a theme. So yeah, you tell me that the art direction here is excellent. Actually, the, 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 so there's a robot in it, voiced by uh, Rose Byrne, and it's a it's a guy in a suit. So it's like it's it's one of the better like robot designs I've seen. Even like CGI overlay, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah exactly yeah there's it's enhanced, but but it looks great. Yeah, it, no, it does. It looks really pretty good, and it like it you know it feels real, like and it right. it, it feels like practical. Uh, like my only my only main issue, Eric, was that it seems like a base like like they're in like a base for most of the movie. Or, sure. and it seems like. This robot only sees things because it enters the room and sees them, but it's like, wouldn't there be like cameras everywhere cameras. in a place like yeah, this? <laughs> that it should be able to like tap into, yeah, yeah exactly, like, like, and yeah. constantly know everything that's going on. That's fair. That's fair. Like, like how? <laughs> yeah, and even like, I mean, I don't want to give too much away because people should see it first, but yeah. even thinking about where like the movie goes, even more so. So yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, but no, I mean, it's it still, I would agree with you that it, I would, I would recommend it as far as an easy, you know, Netflix watch. Definitely, yeah. I put it at the cool. towards the top of the, the like sci-fi Netflix movies that come out. Exactly. Take that mute. Um, <laughs> yeah. I saw one other movie this week that I want to make note of. Uh, it is currently my favorite film of the year. Uh, it's the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh yeah. Ah, boo! I was trying to watch that uh, this weekend too, but, but I didn't. you didn't, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I will watch it in theaters. I promise you that. Uh, yeah, make sure to see it in IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> is it playing? No. <laughs> no. no. Uh, this is a this is a film directed by uh, Joe Talbot. He wrote it with his best friend Jimmy Fails. The film is loosely inspired by Jimmy Fails' own life story. He plays a version of himself along with uh, his he and his best friend, played by Jonathan Majors. They star as two guys living in San Francisco and. I won't get too much into the plot, but I will say it, deal, it deals with the gentrification of San Francisco, how it's changed over time. Um, there's there's things that the, that the two of them are going after. Uh, they have different kind of character paths, but they're also just best friends. And I, I thought this movie was fantastic. I think it's incredibly well filmed. The score is terrific. I've been listening to it a lot this weekend. The acting is, I think, phenomenal from both from both actors, but they're both fairly new. Jimmy Fails, this is like his first thing. Besides some short films of Jonathan Majors, he's only been in a couple things, but I think he's absolutely terrific. you got a couple supporting performances, too. Danny Glover's in here and whatnot. Um, but it's just a really... It, it's like watching a poem come to life. Like That's how it felt, and just seeing the different sites in San Francisco and seeing how the story grapples with things. Uh, it, I mean, speaking of triple features, if you watch this blind spotting, it's sorry to bother you. You'd have a pretty good weekend as far as exploring the Bay Area, Bay Area weekend, very yeah. uh, you know interesting ways as far as cinema. And then just briefly, you know, watching Black Panther as well. Yeah, exactly. Sprinkle in Black Panther, <laughs> and then Fruitvale Station. I guess. Yeah, that's a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Uh, but well, yeah. I, I saw it too, and uh, I agree. It's fantastic, and just stylistically, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like jo- Joe Talbot just films the hell out of San Francisco. It just its treatment of the citizens of the city really just like sparked to life in really cool ways. The way he filmed the interior of the house is like just really impressive for a first-time filmmaker. I think he's going to do a lot of really great stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm well, really excited. Yeah, well, it comes. It's it's out in limited release this weekend. It had a great per theater average uh, as far as being on what like only a few screens. So seven, uh, yep. yeah, seven, seven screens. So yeah, it did fairly well for its limited release. And it's an A two four film, uh, and no surprise that I really like it. A two four just puts out things that I just, just generally just really seem to like. Seriously, uh, but, but yeah, it'll uh, it be expanding over the next few weeks. I hope more people catch it because um, yeah, it's it's certainly worthwhile. Um, all right, that's enough quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we're talking Ad Astra. This is the new film from director James Gray, who previously gave us The Lost City of Z, a film that I really liked, along with, uh, what, The Yards, We Own the Night, uh, what, The Immigrant, among others. A lot of Joaquin Phoenix movies. This time, he's got Brad Pitt in his pocket, um, and he's made a sci-fi movie, something that seems very off-key for James Gray, but here it is. Uh, Brad Pitt plays some kind of astronaut that travels to the edge of the solar system. Tommy Lee Jones is there, and we gotta, you know, save the universe or something along those lines. All that out of the way. Let's start with Eric. What did you think of the trailer for Ad Astra? Uh, I thought it was really cool. Uh, it definitely has my eye. Again, this is from a very visual friendly, uh, director, James Gray, and it looks really beautiful in its visual effects. Uh, I did, like, there is this obvious, like, this weird trend, uh, that I guess, it's kind of more popped up within the last decade where you have kind of like what I in the same way that I hate to, the phrase elevated horror. You have like elevated sci fi. So you have movies like Interstellar and Gravity and uh, what was that movie? Or Arrival Mute. and I'm Mute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, like this kind of just kind of looks like it's going to be existing in that headspace. And, you know, uh, within that group, it's there's been mostly great results. So, yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward to it. Luke, how about you? Well, on that exact note, I was, I had the weirdest reaction. I was weirdly relieved when the blue CGI cloud shows up at the end because I was like, oh, thank goodness it's actually, thank goodness, godness, whatever. <laughs> uh, God of space, God of war. Good speed, um, Godspeed. Sure. Uh, regardless, maybe it was Galactus's sad cousin, but it made me happy that this was actually sci-fi. I was like, okay, great. This isn't going to be first man again. <laughs> this is, I was, because I, I really, found it unclear watching it are they going for like realistic are they going for not realistic this is his dad's coming back from nowhere and is probably an alien or something and then i see a cgi cloud and i'm like okay there are fantasy elements i get it now and that's a weird reaction and it was sort of an involuntary involuntary one and i don't know if that should have been my intellectual reaction or even would be watching the movie but just seeing the trailer that is that was my immediate response uh, I was very intrigued by this trailer, and when I uh, it tr- it dropped like last Thursday or what have you, and then I was reading some articles on it, and I was like, "What a silly thing to do! Why would they put a screenshot of Halo in this in this movie or in this like yeah. article write up in the trailer? Because there's actually a beautiful shot of them wearing moon masks, kind of just like drifting in uh, on a moon rock." But um, I'm intrigued by this. I, I think there's a lot to unpack. Um, the great thing about it is like what Aaron pointed out: James Gray has made some like. Really good work. Um, and then you have Brad Pitt and also Tommy Lee Jones. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty sold on this. Uh, I don't know much about it. I'm trying not to find out too much about it. Uh, while it looks pretty procedural in the, in, from this first trailer, 
Um, just in terms of like, well, you know, science experiments going to rag and I think I, I do want to see what's going to happen. So I will uh, probably defer uh, watching anything else for this. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I I'm aware it it's been moved around a bunch, but I think that's more to do with <laughs> you know Fox and Disney more than like movie quality. I mean, it got pushed to September, so it's you know. Yeah, so September is like not if you get moved to August, it's one thing. If you get moved to September, I mean, especially now in these days, like September has become a hotspot thanks to it. So yeah, right. so yeah. I, I mean, regardless, that, that doesn't play near here nor there. I, I'm just looking forward to this movie. I'm a fan of James Gray. I do think, like you said, Eric, I think he cinematically he certainly you know knows how to point the camera and right. seeing him move into this territory which is you know far kind of greater of a scope than anything before it i i, I want to see what that looks like i and when you have kind of I, brad pitt is so, is so much more interesting to me today um as far as the choices he makes could it be because if he's headlining a movie and it's a mainstream film it tends to be something that like he wanted to do because he wants to make this like really work. Right. So I, right. I I look forward to seeing what that turns out to be. And you have a solid supporting cast here as well, including a you know sinister looking Donald Sutherland, um, par for the course for me when it comes to Donald <laughs> Sutherland. Uh, I mean, we're he even we're, played like a semi bad guy in the Simpsons episode. Weird. Yeah, he's he was he was uh, hiding the truth about Jebediah Springfield. I mean, exactly. <laughs> I had to read so quickly to that name, <laughs> like to just pull that up. Or was it the pirate Jebediah Springfield? <laughs> anyway, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting name, I think, for the movie because usually you have to earn a weird title with a franchise, like Quantum of Solace or Parabellum or Desolation of Smaug. You have to have a hit first before you do the weird title. Uh, I'm not sure how people will react to that. Although, having worked in a box office, I can tell you that whatever you call it, you're going to have someone come up and say, what's Polish Wedding about? So maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll just say one for Brad Pitt's space movie, please. There you go. <laughs> exactly. They will say that. They'll one say for one Ad for Astro Brad Turf. Pitt. <laughs> that should be a thing. We should make a list of top... Ad fa- like No, favorite like <laughs> customer nicknames for movies they didn't quite get the title right with or something. Like, mm. like I'd, I'd be fascinated what like the masses were saying. The masses, because there's so many people at the side. The to, uh, masses? Sy- yeah, the masses. To Synecdoche, New York. Like I remember when I, <laughs> when I saw it in theaters, they had a sign on the... They had a sign posted on the window that had it like phonetically spelled out so people could yeah. understand. Wow. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Or, you know, that one Tom Hanks movie, you know, the one that's super loud. Castaway? No, it, uh, I was making a joke about incredibly loud and no, no, yeah, I don't no, know. extremely loud and incredibly close. I don't yeah, know. Uh, extremely loud and incredibly close or incredibly yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's extremely yeah, loud. It. Yeah. Incredibly loud and no, it's, no, it's extremely loud and incredibly close. Mine makes more remember... sense, Abe. You just sound ridiculous. <laughs> Add it. I remember. I remember when Mao's Last Dancer played at the movie theater I worked at. Everyone, all the all the seniors called it the Mayo movie. Okay. What? <laughs> okay. Because it's Cher- Chairman Mao, Mao's last dancer. They called it the Mayo movie. That's funny. One for the Mayo movie, please. No, kid. All right. Well, Ad Astra arrives in theaters September 20th. So, as always, we'll see what happens. Sound of the year. Yeah. Well, with all that out of the way, guys, let's get into it. Let's start talking about Dark Phoenix. Why did you make me do that? Look at me. Focus on my voice. I'm not giving up on you, Jean. She was my friend. You're my family, Jean. Stop. No matter what. Stop. Stop. Stop! 
you stop fighting that force inside you, if you embrace it, you will possess the very power of a god. She'll kill us all. Tell me how we fix this, Charles. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And what they don't understand. What they fear and what they fear, we seek to destroy. This is your fault, Charles. I tried to protect her. I'm scared. When I lose control, bad things happen to people I love. The girl dies. She's still Jean. We can still help her. Sometimes you want to believe people are something that they are not. By the time you realize who they are, Jean! it's too late. That should have been some of the trailer for Dark Phoenix, set during the timeline established by X-Men colon First Class, which carried into Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse. Dark Phoenix is the latest chapter in Fox's long-running superhero franchise, and due to the merger with Disney, it has now become the finale of this particular storyline. Relying on the famed comic book arc once again, following the incredibly well-received X-Men The Last Stand, this film picks up in the 90s and traces what happens to Jean Grey, following an encounter with a cosmic force during a space rescue mission. While seemingly unharmed, it looks as though this event has not only unlocked Jean's deadly potential, but the sins of the past caused by none other than Professor <laughs> Xavier as well. What's an X-Men gonna do? <laughs> Eric, yeah. what has been your relationship with the X-Men film franchise, and what do you think about this film? You know, I I have always, frankly, kind of loved the X-Men franchise. Like, I, I mean, t- 2000s X-Men, like, it did come two years after Blade, but we're talking about a movie with, like, twice the budget, and it was the movie that really kind of sparked the modern age of superhero movie making. And so, like, eight years later when you have Iron Man, you don't have that without what X-Men contributed. And there are, like, I'd say if you total them all up, I think there are more X-Men, good X-Men movies than bad X-Men movies. Uh, I agree. That be, and, and like, and even when it came to like the bad X-Men movies, I would kind of forgive it just because I'm like, this is a franchise that I've, oh, I've gotten to a level of almost taking for granted. I know there's always going to be another one coming out. It's like, so if they missed with this one, they can always get better with the next one. I mostly uh, agree with that. I think that partially feeds into my kind of rage at, at Dark Phoenix <laughs> because, uh, this is the end and it, it is awful. It, it, there's no excuse for it. It is just like, it is a truly, truly bad movie. It's a truly, truly terrible adaptation of the Dark Phoenix storyline that I think is actually wor- even worse than The Last Stand. Uh, and ultimately, like, of the main series, it is just the worst. It is the worst of these movies. And so, uh, yeah, that, I mean, 
I am now like excited to watch somebody hit that big fat reset button as the X-Men get integrated into the MCU somehow. I used to be on board with the idea of like, oh, maybe you can find a way to combine the universes and do kind of some secret wars type dealy. Uh, but now I just, I want to hit flush and like hopefully like cable and co can hang on, but everyone else needs to just go because <laughs> damn. Wow. Uh, let me what bathe in your hate. Let me bathe in it. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if, uh, like, Kevin Feige had, like, a Wall Street-like setup where he just pressed a big giant button and everyone's, like, cheering, like, yay! <laughs> um, I'll go next. Yes. I, um, I have similar thoughts to Eric as far as the X-Men franchise goes. I've been a fan of these movies. I don't tend to have any, like... I, it's easy to kind of make fun of some of them, sure. some, some specific some specific ones. Um, and I've even spent time watching, particularly The Last Stand and, and um, X-Men Origins Wolverine, um, this past couple of days, I also watched the, 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 I basically watched everything except X-Men and X2, cause I've seen those so many times. Um, I, coming off of Apocalypse, it felt like only, things could only go up from there. Cause I really did not like Apocalypse. I, I thought so too. That's, that's the one I, um, I don't, I, I, I can't make excuses for. I can it's make hard, excuses yeah. for, for X-Men Origins. Cause I do think there's a, a really campy eighties movie in there that's just, compromise in a lot of ways and i actually like the last stand like i it's certainly flawed but i do think overall especially after watching again and after this movie i do like it yeah it's uh, kind of grown on me too i i think it has elements that really the emotional beats i think actually work pretty well there's it's too short and there's too many characters mm-hmm. um which is what first class essentially solved uh, since it was the next the following team movie that they made but getting to this movie I like The Last Stand more, but I don't hate this movie. I I do think it's bad. I do think it's a sour note to go out on, which, to be fair to the film, it wasn't intended to be a final chapter. It just happened to end up that way. And we're only so many reshoots. Yes, (laughs) I mean, regardless, we're all presuming that it is the end of these things, and it it is it is unfortunate that it's not a stronger note to go out on. I, the clearest problem I have with it is that I just don't care about the people that are here that are telling us this story. It feels like, once again, we've rushed into a major comic book arc because that's a popular comic book arc instead of properly doing the work to set up said comic book arc. And since you deleted all the scenes of Jean Grey and Apocalypse, like the ones that really built up her character along with Cyclops and Nightcrawler, we're just, we enter this film... And the things that are happening that put all of these people in peril just don't feel like they matter all that much. The stakes never feel that high, despite involving cosmic forces, aliens, mutant rights, and whatever else you want to throw on top of it. It just never feels like a movie that I need to get ramped up about. Say what I will about The Last Stand, there is some compelling stuff with, like, the Cure plotline they're going for. It's really only the Phoenix stuff that makes that movie not great. Like, they don't do, like, that's the biggest problem. It just it adds that on top of an already intriguing storyline. This movie, it's all about Dark Phoenix, but I can't say that, like, as hard as Sophie Turner tries, I'm not that compelled by Gene. Like, it doesn't, like, yeah. the thing's going on there, and that comes from not caring about the Cyclops-Gene relationship. It comes from <laughs> having a very bad, it's, like, very bad handling of the motivation of, like, what's going on with Jessica Chastain's alien character. Oh, my God, is that just... Adding up to very little... Like, it all... Nothing. Absolutely. Like, I waited it, for the, that reveal for two years, and that was what they gave us? It you, just, like, it, it how? Just, it all feels, it just feels like another one. Like, that's the best way I can kind of put it. It just, it feels like another one of these movies. It doesn't feel special in any way. It's very somber. 
Um, which is like, I guess that's a choice, but at the same time, it's like, it's not much fun to be had in this movie. And yeah, that said, I do think that there's two key action scenes that I actually liked quite a bit. I do think mm. there's a, there's a scene in New York where they're trying to basically cross the street, I think is well put, well put, us, put, put together. And the ending train sequence, I think there's issues I have with it, but I do think in general, there's a lot of good, like, here's the X-Men using their powers as a team type stuff happening that I'm like, okay, this is fun to see. And yeah. Hans Zimmer score rocks, and that's all I'll say for now. Uh, <laughs> let's get to Luke. Luke, what did what say? Where were you with the X Men movies in this film? Well, actually, I I was just about to say what you were going to say, which I was going to single out the things I do like about this movie, which I think the way they use their powers together in the fight scenes in this one is really well done and perhaps better thought out than a lot of them previous. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's a passable metaphor for trauma the way they handle phoenix and that you know i've had a wife who went through trauma and she does lash out hurtfully at the ones she loves rather than necessarily the ones who are the real enemies at times and having experienced that i related to that and i thought it's a decent allegory in the way that these things are very simple allegories um that said this did feel like a mad libs of a lot of the x-men stuff there's usually a train fight or something on a moving vehicle there's you know, usually a fight on this, on a small section of street. There is what my Twitter friend Lex G has dubbed the Fox Forest, which is mm-hmm. in every Fox big sci-fi movie, they <laughs> shoot an action sequence in the Pacific Northwest Forest, um, because they own property there or something. Um, uh, I do think it's kind of just another one. They took a bunch of cards that they have, note cards that they had on other ones and mixed them up. Uh, as far as the franchise overall, what, when I was an angst-ridden teen, Wolverine was one of my favorite comic book characters, and I thought Hugh Jackman was perfect, and I was very happy with the first one and how he came across. And Patrick Stewart was one of those rare examples of where the studios gave the fans exactly the actor they wanted, and sure. he paid off perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was really like no fan rage about that one at all. I'm sure you can probably find some if you look hard enough, but very, very little. I mean, yeah, when it comes and, to me and that, I would say Patrick Stewart and Paul Giamatti as the rhino. No, you know, everyone just agreed. <laughs> well, that was that was Paul Giamatti's certainly. No, I'm saying no, no fan outrage. Everyone was just like universally <laughs> like, accepted Paul exactly Giamatti. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have Giamatti Day on and, the day and that And now Spider-Man we're never going to see it out played out again. Nope. <laughs> and then I th- I'm sorry, keep going, Luke. <laughs> okay. Um, Logan was the Wolverine movie that I really wanted, that I thought, wow, they finally took the gloves off and they made a non-PG Wolverine movie, and that was the movie I had envisioned as a kid that would be the perfect Wolverine movie. Uh, a lot of these X-Men movies, one of the thi- one of the, I think one of the things that was a strength when they started is a problem now, which is they try to ground it too much, they try to make the costumes realistic, they try to keep it real world, and for budgetary reasons or whatever, they keep it feeling so confined that it's like even when the world is threatened or even the larger universe is threatened it seems to boil down to something happening on just a couple of blocks or just a small stretch of land stretch of dirt in front of the pyramids or you know something something in a forest it's fair something fairly small relative to how big the stakes are that we're supposed to imagine but overall i i don't really hate any of them to be honest i think even at, i remember at the time i was fairly positive on origins wolverine it's just as i look back on it it seems like it did more and more stupid things that i tend to get angrier about later I'd, it was also a I'd writer's strike movie so that's something to compete for mind also there's a lot of problems I, with 
the production oh, yes. of I've, that movie. Yes. I've loved a lot of writer strike movies, so I can't use that as an excuse. <laughs> but uh, it is it is interestingly the one movie where um, Scott Atkins doesn't seem to get a lot of fan love for because uh, <laughs> it seems seems like everyone I know adores Scott Atkins and everything, which I don't entirely get. But no one I, ever brings up that he was not fake to, Deadpool. Yeah, 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 not, not to, oh, that's not, that's not his fault. That is just the just the awful, ridiculously terrible treatment of Deadpool more than anything else. So. Not to get into an Atkins hole, but yes, I'm actually in the same camp as you as far as like, yeah, he's in a lot of these DTV movies. I don't see the. I, I feel like I get why he's in a lot of these DTV movies. He doesn't seem to have much <laughs> exactly. screen charisma for me to be like, I can't wait to see this guy in a big screen movie. Like, yeah, silent henchman in Doctor Strange feels about right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know he's upset, but like, he feels like that was his Marvel shot, and now he can't be anyone else in the Marvel movies. And I'm just like, dude, come back for the Deadpool movies. They'll definitely find a way to make a joke out of you in that one. <laughs> you know, if they do, yeah. if they do Deadpool three, which I'm assuming they will, and I'm assuming they'll just use weird meta commentary to explain it having different continuities as they always do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, any other? Sorry. Um, all right. Okay. Okay. So I, th- I think I got the gist of what you're saying. Let's go to Abe. I uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep talking. Uh, Abe, I know you've been more ambivalent about the X-Men franchise uh, yeah that's, that's what I was going to say Like as far as like the X-Men franchise goes uh, you know I've been kind of like here and there you know, more lukewarm than anything nothing has ever really knocked me off my socks I mean X2 is probably the closest um, in terms of being like w- after watching that movie and kind of walking out of the theater um, back in like 2000 and what is that 3 or something like that and it's like wow that was actually pretty solid uh, and then watching the trailers for Days of Future Past I was like you know what this is a really solid trailer I don't, I'm going to hold my breath for the movie, and, you know, I think a lot of people liked it, but I was kind of in the camp of, like, it was okay. Um, so as we continue on, it's just kind of like, yeah, hit and miss, kind of lukewarm. Um, so going into this one, no real expectations except for, like, wow, you know, I can't believe that they're, I've got to go see this movie. Uh, and <laughs> going, to see, going to see the movie, to be honest, like, it actually starts out not terrible. Like, it starts out, in like, in a way of, like, okay, I, I kind of like what's going on here, and then they kind of get into, like, this space jet thing where it's, like, uh, okay, well, I've seen the X-Jet go into space in the cartoon, so I'm going to give that one a pass. And then you kind of get into some weird territory here with some of the characters where I started seeing some of the problems. And what I have a problem with is that a lot of it is still dealing with, like, this teenage angst type stuff, which um, they never really get away from. They, they kind of it, It's kind of been, like, at the core. And, and even watching clips from uh, X through the last stand, he's always still trying to, like, deal with all these problems of, of Jean Grey, like, you know, be better. And he also deals with it with, with, um, mystique. You know, he says stuff like, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And, uh, which is, I guess a, the calling card, but then you also try and create this sort of like two sided character. And I was like, I don't know where this is coming from. Like, you know, if you're professor X, is that what yeah, professor X, yeah, there's like a two sided character here. And I was like, you know, I can see, I see what you guys are saying as a character, but as a movie franchise goes, like, I don't, I just, the, the word that I felt, uh, which was like pretty commonplace throughout a lot of pop spot issues was unearned. Like there's just like some unearned uh, emotions trying to be playing out here, you know, wh- where there's a, a character, um, I guess fight sequence. And then just a lot of unearned stuff around professor Xavier and kind of like what's been going on with him. And then just the way that the movie ends up is like, this feels like a nice little close up at the same time. Like there were problems all throughout and, for the most part, I, I, I kind of just didn't really reconcile with the fact that Jean Grey was, um, she's like, 
identify these problems, but she doesn't really, like, it would be nicer if, like, we kind of get this sense of, okay, great, well, aside from just being, like, unwieldy power, it's like, you know, it's taking over her mind, or if we listen to her mind, or what have you, you know, if there was something else that would kind of sort of catalyst, be a catalyst as to why this person is, you know, feeling the way that they are, aside from us kind of just seeing her talk in the rain by herself, which was, um, weird, uh, because I thought there was going to be more to it, even from the trailer. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I completely agree with you. Like, I think a huge part of the problem with this movie, on beyond just like Simon Kimberg for some reason deciding that he needed to recycle his ideas from The Last Stand right. instead of using more material from the comics, which is what everybody wants. And the space stuff is like, that's, I agree. I think that's probably the best stuff in there. But like, I, I just like, she has, she's not malevolent. She's not actually like the, I, I like, obviously we're trying to not talk trample out too many sure. uh, spoilers, but like the one big kill is honestly an accident and it's more everybody's reaction to that, which I almost view as an overreaction given again, accident, uh, is it's, it's, that's the really only conflict in the movie and like to not have a dark phoenix who is evil is that's so weird that's such a weird like idea if you're got to be making this film it just doesn't make any sense yeah well, like, and, i mean well, you're, you're saying the character like needs to be angry because the script wants you to be angry exactly the main motivation yeah. is confusion basically right yeah it's yep. like that yeah. doesn't it, it kind of just doesn't add up to some degree so as you move further throughout the movie and you know, it, it kind of just becomes a little bit more like I kind of counted just like th- three or four large action set pieces and large nothing else. I mean, the other part that I really liked was Magneto stuff, like where he is now, what he's been doing. But then even that gets cluster effed, you know, like at the at, at the end of that scene. I was like, I literally slapped my forehead in that scene. And there was like audible, like, you know, a uh, size of, of exasperation from other crowd, uh, other people in the theater. Like, because she, she says something in that sequence, and then it's just like, I don't know what you were expecting, but you're gonna kill all these dudes here. So, um, with all that being said, though, like, the movie itself is like, I don't think that it's awful. Like, I, you know, I was saying, like, you know, let me bathe in your hate, uh, Eric, but I, it was more just like, you know, I don't think that it's awful, and I don't think that it's, a, it's like, but I don't think that's very good either. Like, it's like, Honestly, if I were to give my right now, it kind of just would be like you know, like a, a TV or like a rental movie, right? So it's, it's not unwatchable. Like I think, yeah, yeah, like, well, having watched Apocalypse again, which is like four hours long, I'm exaggerating <laughs> on purpose. Really it's like it, it's like at least this movie's pretty tight. Like it's two hours. It's not even two yeah, hours. That, it's it's all. Yeah, it's right. barely, but that's because it's so A to B to C. Like, no, it, it is, has, and I yeah, yeah, I, I can appreciate right. that more than watching a long-winded disaster of a movie like Apocalypse, <laughs> where like. Where like Charles and Oscar Isaac and all kinds of terrible makeup are like sitting on a, a rock for like four again for four hours, <laughs> like looking at a pyramid and being like, "Well, what about this? I don't know about that. So what about like?" And it's just ugh. this movie's yeah, at least yeah. it's efficient in what it's trying to do, even if it's a compromised yeah. version of it. Right. So on the most part, like it, it's exactly what you guys are saying there. So I definitely want to open it up now for for further discussion because. I do have a, a question for you guys toward the end of this, which I'll ask you guys. But um, yeah, I definitely want to hear from. Uh, sounds like sounds like Aaron and maybe uh, Luke are maybe the most lukewarm on this. Maybe Luke being more positive, but I would love to hear. You know, just well, additional. I think Luke and I are just both like it's fine. Like it's yeah, not, like I'm not. I, I was like it's fine, but it's like a little bit less than fine. I think Eric's just like fuck this movie. Well, yeah, like, I don't, I don't need now. to see this again. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like uh, the only reason I I'll have it is because like Fox is going to send it to me probably. <laughs> <laughs> 
like when you talk about unearned too, when the Charles is his whole thing about am I the villain? It's like no, you're not the villain. You uh, you did a very smart thing in protecting a child from trauma. You just right. should have maybe at a different time been willing to revisit that. The fact that she got crazy powerful before you were ready to revisit doesn't make you the villain. It just means your timing was really bad. And, it's not even his and timing. It's, the, were... it's the fact, like, who's predicting, like, I hope a cosmic force doesn't unlock these memories today? <laughs> like, it's not like you can do anything about that. I mean, the, the other part of it that I found kind of, like, ridiculous about that whole situation of, of uh, you know, Secrets of the Past kind of thing is, like, if she just wait, if she just, like, dug two seconds deeper, she would have figured out what she figured out at the end of the movie, right? right. So, <laughs> yep. I was like, this is, exactly. this is, Confusing. So this goes back to what Eric and I are saying. Just like the motivations here are very strange. Like for a character to be the confusion is like one thing, but also like you know anger from this confusion. Like I don't really know where well, this kind of. Let's go into these performances because I do think there is some stuff to say about the very sure. failure. Right, let's get to James McAvoy first, since we're talking about Professor X. I, for me, I think he's good at playing a person. I'm just not sure if he's playing Professor X. And what I mean by that is. It's such a benefit for, like, Patrick Stewart to have set a template for this character where I get, like, and beyond just knowing what Professor X is like already from the comic books and the cartoons and what have you, it seems like Stewart plays with what he's supposed to be doing so well in those movies, particularly in The Last Stand, actually, when it comes to this storyline, since we've seen it before. So it's like, watching this version of it, I don't believe James McAvoy as Professor X. I believe him playing some other guy, but, like, I don't, like, just the, the conflict that's going on to Professor X just doesn't add up to me as far as what McAvoy's giving to it. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Or do you guys agree? I, I, I hear what you're saying, because I, I know that in interviews he said that he's trying to play Professor X his way as well. But I, I know yeah, I'm not, I'm not asking him to play Patrick Stewart either. It's just right. more of the character that's established as Professor X, in, even in his first that, That's what I'm saying, like, though. Yeah. Like, it feels strange for him to have like this duality about him in this movie, um, because like everything else has been super straight edge, kind of like, hey, I'm I've been through a lot of stuff, and here, let me let me transfer some some knowledge and wisdom to you. And now all of a sudden, it's like, hey man, we're just doing your dirty work, and you're just going to like all these like frat parties. It's like I don't know where this came from. Well, I was I was actually I was gonna piggyback on that, which is honestly like when it just when it came to McAvoy's performance, like I actually thought he was good. It was just that the material obviously just was not because like going back to the unearned conversation. A huge thing about this film for me was also, like, you're just telling me way more than you should be showing me. Like, going into this movie, you have this team operating for 10 years uh, as a team. And, like, going into it, I was like, oh, I, I'm excited to see them actually operating as a team because that's not something that we have seen, honestly, in a lot of these movies. Uh, and... And instead, you get, like, the movie starts off with the space mission and, like, Mystique telling Xavier that, like, they're doing more and more dangerous missions and, like, you see him, like, being happy with the president. But, like, I feel like I needed a lot more, uh, just of them actually pushing him, like, pushing them further and further and further instead of you just telling me that mm -hmm. he's pushing them, him, them further and further and further. It's, and It's the yeah. problem with going from Apocalypse to the Dark Phoenix movie instead of having a movie in between where... Yep. Again, you build right. up these X-Men characters so you know exactly, them. And that's, I mean, again, why, I don't want to keep comparing it to Last Stand, but that's why Last Stand works for me. It, it felt like a movie where, regardless of the 
how good that movie is, I at least knew those characters. Even if there weren't, even if it's been too reliant on Wolverine, I got like James Marsden and Famke Johnson and Halle Berry like playing those. Like that's a version of those characters that I came to know. So yeah, when you're killing yeah. off some of them and you're getting them into dicey situations, I can buy into that even if it's handled in a shorthand sort of way that could be better. This movie, it's like I got what like maybe 15 minutes total of Ty Sheridan and Sophie Turner and. And uh, with uh, Cody Smith McPhee and Alexander Ship as you know, Storm Nightcrawler, Cyclops, and Gene. Exactly. Like, so now I'm like, oh, now this is the brink of the end for all of them. And it's like, okay, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and you know, also they, they gave them the good costumes last movie, and then they took them away. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're gone. Fox is just I embarrassed about I mean, X Men. Apparently, they're like, that, that's like, your that's your point too, Luke. Is like, you know, they went with more realistic t- style costumes. Like, you know, I've actually liked that Magneto helmet in Days of Future Past. And I liked his, his helmet in other places. Now it's just like iron ore, you know what I mean? So it's weird, like especially because like Fox embraced the Fantastic Four first time around. Like they went for it with those to, not, to a point. Deadpool has certainly not worked the out. Second time, not the second time. No, <laughs> they're like let's make them in like these like super gray like tech op suits. Like <laughs> see how it goes. But I've heard they're I mean, Deadpool obviously worked out extremely right. well, but also, but I also just think about like that deleted scene from the ending of the Wolverine where they teased that uh, case with the Wolverine suit in yeah, it. Yeah, the, the blue and gold. And yeah. it, no, no, and it, it was looked, the brown. It was brown. Oh, brown. But it looked so cool, and like I was just praying it uh, the entire time between that and Logan that James Mangold would fight with the studio and say like, no, I need to. I know we deleted it from the last movie, but we need to get him in this costume. And then, nope. Again, hope stashed. And, yes. and, and, and I mean, and you mentioned Magneto with the helmet, like, even with, like, even after Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, like, even thinking back to, like, first class, at the end of that movie, he had, like, that more ornate red and purple, like, Very tinted ornate. helmet. Yes. That was, and that was awesome. And, of course, we haven't seen it since. So, yeah. I, I mean, for, as far as Logan goes, as we all know, it's that costume that gave him the, the adamantium cancer that was killing him. That's, that's why he didn't wear it anymore. <laughs> that's why he doesn't wear it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, moving into the other characters, what do you guys think of um, Beast, played by? Uh, I've heard I've heard a lot of things about the Nicholas different performances Holt. of this movie, and I feel like Nicholas Holt's been getting a lot of credit as Beast. I don't huh? think he's bad. I just it's another case of it's not really Hank. Like it feels like a, right. a guy Nicholas Holt is playing quite well, but it's like I know what Beast is supposed to be like, and it's like this isn't Beast. It's just he's like a guy. Kelsey-ish? Like, like the way that Kelsey Grammer portrayed him? Well, Kelsey, I mean, Kelsey Grammer, like, he doesn't have much to do as far as showing drastic arc. It's just more of sure. like, hey, I'm here, and it's me, Beast. Let me <laughs> read the books. <laughs> Let me hang upside down. <laughs> um, Holt is like, he's good in, in playing a, a human character, or I guess a mutant character, but it's yeah. like, it's not the, like, my stars and garters kind of Beast character that I know. Yeah, and also, I just felt like the, his relationship with Mystique was so forced. I mean, like, I guess they've been together, like, all through these four, last three that, movies. Yeah, all the movies. Like, first class, but it's like... First, these first class relationships were... And, I mean, we'll get to Mystique, I guess. But, like, the fact that Professor X, Magneto, and Beast all have, oh, like, God. a weird shared history, some of it being romantic with Mystique, it's like... And it's just kind of it's it's kind of eye rolling inducing. Like, honestly. Right. No, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah. I will say that you know, as far as the character goes, I feel like he does have more of an arc than some of the other characters on the on the screen, though, because he kind of goes from like, well, you know what, this is like what we're gonna do. Maybe I should leave, and then, oh, well, now now I'm in angry mode. Like, I, I you know, I get that. You know, and I some of the scene is like some of the scenes where he's like, you know, being dramatic is a little bit. Not for this movie, but still, I think that he's fine. It's stuff that all it all works for a movie that's better. 
Like, yes, I get what they're trying to do because they're trying to basically make it. I mean, and we I mean, it came out in the news this week that like the movie had to be reshaped because it was too close to X-Men or sorry, uh, uh, Captain America Civil War. And it's like, I get that. That makes sense to me because like, yeah, you are trying to kind of split the mutants down the line over over a key problem and they have to choose sides. And I can see them making trying to make that work. I see what like Holt's trying to do, like why we're justifying him possibly going away from professor and doing his own thing and be siding with another faction but it's like we needed another movie or we needed something else to kind of make this feel like a, a better dividing line to give us a right. give us a reason to care about the these you know friends fighting each other type of story yeah. dark phoenix is not, not a one movie story it just isn't right. <laughs> like it's not even in the cartoons yeah. it's not even a one episode thing it's exactly like yeah luke were you saying something i said i'm glad he's not going to be batman as far as <laughs> nicholas holt all right. I uh, like how about Beast? I'm glad he won't be Batman. Yeah. Okay. How about Fassbender? Fassbender is fine. You know, like I mean, he does. He doesn't know how to give a bad performance. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like even even in his like limited thing in Czechoslovakia, I was like, man, I'm feeling this guy. Uh, back in uh, was that uh, Apocalypse? Apocalypse yeah. So in this one, like when he first does his stuff, I was like, you know, I, again, I, I like where he's at in terms of like. They actually gave him some. He's, pretty... a, he's a criminal of the world who tried to destroy everything <laughs> ever, <laughs> and, and the U.S. is like, I guess we'll give you an island. Yeah. So you can and also, like, yeah. And, and of course, and of course, when uh, like, and he's fine, but when Jean Grey goes a little bit, little bit nuts, flips a couple of cop cars, then uh, yeah, she's chased over by, chased around the world by the military. Right. Uh, yeah, very, very extremely different reactions there, yeah, but. Exactly. Uh, Honestly, my, like, Fassbender's fine in it. Honestly, my biggest problem is, and this is basically what I was going to say for Mystique as well, is that, like, this franchise just got so locked into these characters because of the star power that Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence bring to the table that they felt the need to bring them back every single movie. And it's just so unnecessary. So I feel like every single time those characters are involved, it's just, it feels like they're just trying so hard to just reach out and just... Does Fassbender bring much star power to a movie? That's an honest question. Like, well, I, he's starred in movies, but like, are like, are, have movies done significantly better because they star Michael Fassbender? Because I can't, I, well, I can't but, say no. like Assassin's Creed or The Snowman of like broken box office records because he gave of him. you all the clues. <laughs> I guess to an amount of esteem uh, that he brings to it because he is like a known talented actor. He's like McAvoy. I mean, <laughs> well, sure. No, I, 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 I think he's more popular than Fassbender. The difference yeah, yeah. there. Is, I, I do agree that McAvoy is within that as well. However, Professor X has a reason to be there. True. Meanwhile, Magneto and especially Mystique. Mystique has no place being in every single X-Men movie. And like, it just, and, and, and this has been a problem, honestly, even going back to the original trilogy where Magneto just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. I get that he's a main villain, but if you keep using him, it kind of shackles you and doesn't let you go into a lot of other different directions that you might go just to play around with. Because it, it shows a lot of lack of, honestly, like looking into the X Manipedia to like search for other powers that look cool on screen. Because like my thought is, well, they keep using Magneto and Mystique because it's visually fun to play with a character that can move magnets or move metal around or shape shift. But there are like, so many powers. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. If you just like turn the page from right. chapter one to other X Men, <laughs> it's like there are so many other characters you can, like. That's probably the, over two hundred of them. Like it, there's more than yeah, more than that. I mean that's. I, I, that's as much as I I'm I'm okay with the Deadpool movies. At least they do try to explore that. They do try to like give you other characters that are out there that yep. do stuff. And we can 
Consider what a deep dive Chastain's character is. I'm yeah, really. Sure who is, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I, you know, yeah. we all had to look it up, and then I ended up writing an article based on what I found when I looked it up. But mm-hmm. that is not a hugely significant character in any lore, which is why I'm surprised yeah. they kept it. They kept it so secret. I want to I want to pick it back up with some of that Eric was like ranting on about about the Jessica <laughs> Chastain thing because when she first is shown you know having dinner and then she goes out to go for a walk I was like oh man she's gonna use some of her awesome powers to to take care of like whatever the dog is barking at no <laughs> there's no there's no real reason for for her to be played by Jessica Chastain and then even later in the movie I was like wait a minute you're telling me that this person could have done this thing the whole time instead of having like hours of exposition about what the planet is and, you know, what this dark power is, like, you could have just done something and be done with it. You could have yeah, become the most powerful villain in the universe. It's a weird, like, these aliens are such a blank, and yet she seems to have some level of sympathy for Gene. It's really confusing. Like, yeah. I just... They, they want to no hurt sense. you. So it you doesn't make any sense. Back first. Like, what is going on here? Uh-huh. Speaking of which, uh, should we go with Mystique or Jean Grey next? No, we can go with Lawrence's... I would say she woke up for a bit. <laughs> I, I, I've been I've been very clear that I don't think she's been very good in any of these movies as Mystique. And no. I think the worst thing that happened to this franchise is The Hunger Games because she became very popular. Yep. And so it's like, I guess we got to involve her now. And, and she I started mean, getting all these Academy Award nominations, so they want to involve her even more. Win. Um, True. Let's, I mean... It all boils down to one main scene, the one that's been kind of made fun of on the internet a whole bunch of week, where she says, like, the whole ex-women line. It's like, oh, yeah. if I talked about this on the Avengers episode, where it's like, I get that it's fun to, like, have a scene of, like, look at all the Avenger, the the, the female Avengers coming together, but it honestly felt, like, eye-rolly to me, as far as there being no real reason for this to happen other than just doing it because it feels positive from a filmmaker perspective. Here... It's like X-Men was like, hold my beer, and like went with this like, whole dialogue sequence. <laughs> Again, and... talking instead of showing, though. Like, yeah, just, it is. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's like, are, aren't the women always saving the men? I don't understand. That's a thing. It was thing. a pretty 50-50 split in, that, uh, in the space yeah, Based on like, the yeah. giant action sequence you just showed, it seems like everybody kind of did their part. Like, yeah, right. I, I get, like, Especially the, Nightcrawler. <laughs> I, I right. get the, the kind of empowerment logic you're going for, and especially, especially speaking to the fact that there's multiple female characters that all play a huge role in the plot here, but it's like, you can't, <laughs> Simon Kinberg. You need to do a better job of either writing this and showing me why this matters, or just like handle it in a different way altogether. Because it's, it just feels like it's taking the movie down further notches, despite whatever good intentions there might be. Right. Well, let's move on to Jean Grey. Um, I feel like Jean Grey is super one note in this movie. You know, again, it's all just like everybody's out against me, and I don't know what's going on, but everybody wants. And nobody's listening to me. And I was like, first of all, like almost everyone in the movie is saying, like, hey, why don't you just talk to me? Let's <laughs> yep. figure out what's going on. Even Scott Summers, who has like, you know, 10 minutes of screen time, is just like, everybody's like, I want to help you out here. This is what family is all about. And she's like, nobody understands me. I, I will say, Ty Sheridan gets a good amount to do in this bit. That doesn't make his character, like, suddenly yeah. super deep. I agree. But I mean, there's a lot, there's uh. a lot more Cyclops here than there was of James Marsden sure. in most of these movies. Storm Priam. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not, a, not a big uh, fan of Ty in this. Not a big fan of Ty in this. Interesting. I no, mean, I found it kind of annoying and dumb. And I do I don't like agree, but I, I don't disagree. But I'm also not a big Cyclops fan, so it doesn't really <laughs> rule to me. He had something to do when he was Mars, and he had Wolverine to play off of, and there's nobody to play. Off, there's nobody for him to play off of in that way here. That's maybe the problem. But I also 
I'm not that impressed by Sheridan as an actor in this movie. Uh, Turner, on the other hand, I did like, but again, that's because I related it to some personal stuff, and I've seen somebody go through things that are analogous to this, and I thought she pulled that off here in a way that she never has on Game of Thrones. So, to me, Sophie Turner totally worked in this. I like her ability to show emotion on the screen about what she's dealing with, but I just think exactly. that the character was not very... I, I mean, I would, I would agree, from an expressive standpoint, yes, there's work being done. I can acknowledge yeah. that. Like, that's yeah. there. Yeah. It's just the movie around her, much like most of the other actors we're talking about. It just feels like it's it's not adding up to a whole lot. I can, I can relate... I can, or I, yeah. I can, I can yeah. understand what you're saying, Luke, obviously, as yeah. far as you're, you know, if you're connecting it to something that's, you know, bigger than the film, yeah, then yeah that's going to work. That's going to pay, that's going to pay into you. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not, but it sounds like that's more of a writing issue. Like, yes, a great actor can turn bad writing and even, you know, Patrick Stewart could probably take bad writing and deliver it into something great no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these kids, they can't take bad writing and transform it into gold, but they're, you know, they're working with what they're working with. Sure. I meant to um, say this when we're talking about Fassbender, by the way. Abe, you talked about hand acting. Fassbender's <laughs> neck acting is off the charts in this movie. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, hold on. Oh, example, no example. What he's lifted that damn helicopter. His neck acting's out of control oh, in that movie. <laughs> he's gonna rip his own head off. <laughs> and he he do it because he's Fassbender. He's that committed to roles. That, oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, Nightcrawler is my uh. favorite mutant. Um, my favorite X Man, and it's fine here. Cody McSpit McPhee, he's just this tall, lanky guy. I'm I'm glad that Cody Smith McPhee is still getting work, but you know the the Nightcrawler character, yeah, they they still do the effects very well, you know, just in terms of like his Bamf, or is it Bamf? It's Bamf, yeah. It's a very it's a very satisfying effect. I'm glad that X Men or like the series dusted off that visual effect and like kept it going because it works. Like, and he's entirely there just for his power. Like he gets zero character development whatsoever, like at all. I like like his. And I was like, "What? This is again unearned." (laughs) I like no. I like his role at the end. I like that they're. I mean, they they seeded that beat as far as him caring about something, and then that changes, so he gets mad. I do. I I I see what you're saying there, but. But, I mean, I'm but not going to say it's, it's not the film's not dependent on it either. So I'm thinking exactly. as, on an individual level, I can respect that they tried to do something for him, given that he has nothing else to do in the rest of the movie. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. But I like the way they set that one up. Was like my son used, used or used to be my son's favorite, and then it's like, okay, this guy's going to play a role. <laughs> it's but a good, I, I, I like the, again. I, I think the the climactic battle that takes place, regardless of what importance it is for shape-shifting aliens to keep looking like humans at that point. I don't know why. Nope. Uh, I, I, right. I, do, I do like the action construction of that sequence. Yeah, everyone became T-1000 also in that train sequence. It was mm-hmm. pretty interesting to see. Um, but I will say that the visuals on here, you know, it, it does look good, right? So you have a few uh, fast action sequences the way that they've been using Quicksilver. I'm glad that they didn't use like a, a pop song this time. They kind of just... Yeah, they sidelined him pretty quickly. Quick! <laughs> quick! He's yeah. out of there. Fast. Yeah, they let him do his thing. And but then there are other things where um, there's actually a, a, a cool scene with uh, Jean Grey, kind of like toward I guess maybe like the, the end of the first third, maybe entering the second third of the movie at their house. And I was like, this is a cool scene. This is like visually very cool. And then you know the the stuff at the end there that was pretty cool. Just when she's battling the aliens one on one, I was like, yeah, I like I like what you guys did here, but. You know, this isn't going to save the movie from the writing woes and also the way that you guys have given no character development to anybody. Um, so, yeah. 
I mean, I'll, I'll just to jump back a little bit to just the Ty Sheridan and uh, Sophie Turner stuff. Like, again, this is a, this is a reason why you do two movies is because like you should have a full movie in this timeline it, just to set up their relationship and their closeness. And it's all presumed. Like, it is all just like, okay, uh, fans know that these two characters are together, and uh, yeah. those who don't get on board yeah. quick because we're not going to explain it. So yeah. that's my problem with them trying to tackle these, like X Men in X Two, like. There's comic stuff they're pulling from, but they're not like the famed arcs that they're using to make those movies work. And right. then it's like, now we'll rush into Dark Phoenix. Now we'll rush into, honestly, Days of Future Past, where like, I like yeah. that movie fine, but it's not my favorite because there's a good movie you could make after First Class before you do that movie. And yeah, feel, yeah. so it's like, so when you get to Days of Future Past, you've killed off most of the First Class by that point. It's like, wait, what? Like, I, 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 I really I, like that. And now I will actually... Like, yeah, I, I will add just that, like, I think one of the biggest mistakes that this franchise ever made was just because they announced the title of X-Men Apocalypse before the release of X-Men Days of Future Past. I went into X-Men Days of Future Past with the full expectation that, like, they were going to do this whole time travel mission, avoid this version of apocalyptic future, but that uh-huh. the movie was going to end with the Age of Apocalypse, where Apocalypse, like, because of the, like, time machinations that they enacted... They mm-hmm. still led to a future where Apocalypse was able to reign supreme, and then they were going to do a variation of that story. And, like, that would have been a great, like, lead-in, like, kind of thing that you could have done with just pairing those two movies, knowing what you were going to do. But yeah. instead, we got a ten years later jump where they just completely annihilated anything that happened at the end of, like... Like, still the whole thing with, like, Wolverine being uh, captured by Stryker at the end of Days of Future Past, and then absolutely nothing is done with that. He's not even captured by Stryker. It's Mystique in disguise as Stryker, which makes right. no and then, sense. And then, he, and then he's back with Stryker in, <laughs> uh, in, in, in Apocalypse. I mean, I mean, again, the thing that I gotta give up on was, like, the whole entire timeline of this whole entire franchise. Oh, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Because, uh, honestly, Eric, if we're gonna talk about movie or the comic book storylines that we want to see... I would have loved to have seen the Phalanx stuff, and I would have loved to see the Onslaught stuff, which would have been, like, the best. Like, it would have been the best use of, like, the characters that they have, which is Magneto and Xavier and Jean Grey. It's like, it would have been the—nothing builds up to it, though. We got, we so. got a question coming up in the feedback about, like, yeah. what stories we want to see. But, like, so we can save it then. But let's keep it on this movie. But uh, here's I want to—we've been talking—we've yeah, yeah. been talking some bad stuff. Let's, let's get back <laughs> to some of the things that I actually do like about this movie. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I've talked about the action. I do think again, there's the train sequence, which I think is pretty solid. Uh, but I do think that that New York scene is pretty cool. Like as far as them tra- traversing <laughs> yeah. a road, but I... also. Mainly, I'll say this mainly because I like that Professor X is involved. Something about him multitasking sure. his 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 um telekinesis like that's fun to me. That he's like he's around a corner from a bus. There's like something's going on with Cyclops. I gotta help him, and he's putting his hand to his forehead, but he's also holding his hand out to like protect Nightcrawler. Like there's a lot of like sure. cool little things going on there where I'm like, well. Simon Kimberg may not have learned too many lessons from first the first time he did this story, but at least his directorial debut has proved promising as far as some of the I, action direction. I just was confused by that sequence because the first thing that happens is Beast is like, all right, enough talk, let's go. And he almost gets hit by a car. So <laughs> New York traffic is crazy. No, but I'm saying like you clearly should have crossed the street first. <laughs> and then done some shit, but instead you just caused like massive traffic accidents. <laughs> He's oh, we had emotion. to find a reason for Magneto to lift a big thing, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, he couldn't have just used cars to block the door. He had to lift a subway cart from underneath. It ruined, it ruined, it ruined everyone's commute. Right. I, I respect him for not Magneto using something like to too heavy this time around. Yeah. 
But it was, I, I agree with it was only that... something so heavy, though. So I like that. It, it wasn't the world like last yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Go ahead, Eric. I was just saying, just like in addition to that, like New York Street sequence in the space sequence as well. Like one thing that I really did like is, like I said, like I was saying before, like this is an opportunity to see these X Men characters working together as a team, yes. and they have some really cool like power combos, especially during the space stuff. And like that's easy to appreciate. Again, though, like this isn't a movie that is at all focused on like delivering it. It is just like. It's not really in favor of delivering much at all. So, sure. yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just disappointing in so I, many ways. I like that Cyclops yeah. has his own special part of the Blackbird that he can use his beam through. Sure. I'm yeah. not sure if I like Cyclops shooting randomly at a spaceship <laughs> to stop it from spinning. But, um, it, it, it was, you know, he's got a target lock on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the spinning spaceship, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do, I, I mentioned this earlier. Hans yeah. Zimmer's score, I think, is quite good in this movie. So, so what's weird is like I didn't know that it was Hans Zimmer scoring it, and then I, as I was watching the last sequence, I was like, you know, this feels a lot like Batman or The Dark Knight Rises, uh, almost, almost yes. to a T, except like oh, they're, yeah. not, they're not in Italy. Um, and I was like, oh, it was Hans Zimmer that did score. No wonder it felt very familiar. No, I'm pretty sure Dark Knight Rises ends in Paris also. Oh, no, it, it no I, I leaned over with, I was sitting with yeah. a friend of the show, Peter Paris, I leaned over and was like, this is where he's going to see Alfred. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, yeah, no, it, it, it does have a lot of, there's a, I mean, I mentioned this already, it's a pretty somber movie, like, it has a certain tone that's, well, I mean, they, I, I would say the, with, like, actually a pretty graphic and great car sequence, and like, I was it's like, a really gnarly car crash, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is more than I was expecting, because they actually saw some flailing in the car, and I was like, People's heads are bleeding, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is what they're gonna start out with." I like this. That's why I like like the first like ten minutes of the movie. So they cast a father that looks like a total asshole. He's like, "Oh, he is a total asshole." Except, who is that guy? <laughs> that guy? I've seen that guy before. He but... looks like the kind of guy that would do that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Here's my question to you guys: While I was watching this movie, and after I thought about this, movie, wait, 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 wait. Am I am I am I wrong? Is it? Do anyone else agree about Hans Zimmer's score? Because I do think it's quite strong. And I kind of remember the last. It would also. It made me think like. As much as I have issues with these X, some of these X Men movies, I do think the scores throughout them have been generally pretty solid. I like Henry Jackman's first class theme a lot. I like what I like John the Ottman's class. done. Oh, yeah, yeah. John Ottman's I like John Ottman's yeah. like his overall X Men theme. I like it more than most other superhero movie themes, honestly. And I like um, I, I'm watching uh, Last Stand Wolver- and Wolverine again. I like what John Powell did, and I like what um, Henry 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 Gregson Williams did. I, <laughs> I think they're all like they got the right composers for these movies, regardless of my thoughts on them. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's a but question yeah, for you. I, I just thought Hans Zimmer did a good job. I was like, oh, yeah. Question I just hope when Marvel Studios reboots them that they bring back the cartoon theme the way they've done with Spider Man. So if- oh, yeah. If you hear a Michael Giacchino doing the <laughs> X Men thing at the beginning so, for the opening they were logos. Doing, like, yeah, that Battle of New York sequence, I was like, if they, or even in the train sequence, I was like, if they play that X Men cartoon sequence, I am going to fucking lose my mind and be like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. That, that have, choice like, would have been character- way too advanced for this movie. Yeah, they have, all, they have all, the, all the characters, like, posing with their names appearing over them at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or if they did, like, a, you know, a team pose at the end, I was like, this is, this like, knows what it's doing. You mean Street Fighter yeah. the movie style? Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the question I have for you guys is, Go for it. Yeah. would this have worked better as, like, an 8 or 10 part Netflix series? Well, yeah, but <laughs> I know, but that's, but I mean, it goes back to whatever thing that we were saying, which is like there's like stuff that's missing. It feels like there's no character development, and it's like you know what, guys, like just I mean, make you, make a make a, a mini series out of this. You, I would I would watch set, that. You could, you could set that up for any hypothetical. It's like yeah, of course, with anything budget and like time and the right the actors that you want to have in. No, there, no, 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 but but like, just like a standalone, does it work better? Yes, it does. Well, it works better because. 
it works better in your head because yeah, you want it to, you want it to be, but there's a way you to see make the it ideal as, version of it. But yeah, yeah, there, yeah there's a way yeah. to make it work as a movie as well. Like, it's just they're not doing the movie right. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like there's a way you can seed things in earlier films and have them build to a good film. You know what franchise did that pretty well? I'm the gonna Marvel guess. Movies. <laughs> yeah, the Marvel movies. Where everything, yeah. even if they're not perfect, back. you still like you can rely on the. You can rely on the past character arcs to help you into certain, like, you know, team films that are like, oh, yeah, this is paying off now because this thing that I – when Cap says I could do this all day, it's because, yeah, I've seen I've seen him evolve over time and, like, yeah, that makes sense and it, it gives One you emotional – One of the best lines ever, man. Like, yep. there's things that work there. There, there's things that can work in the la- in the X Men: The Last Stand because you go to know these characters. You know that Cyclops and Jean are together. It's weird that they decided to have her kill Cyclops. That's a bad choice. And but still, only leave his glasses floating. It's like the one person <laughs> she's probably not going to hurt. It's probably not going to be Cyclops. But well, we got to make it all about Wolverine. So whatever. But still, I mean, there's still you still also because he beats. was making Superman. So they yeah, had to I, kill him off. Yeah, no, I, I yeah the logistics I understand. Yeah, <laughs> get it, get it, get a driven Audi and Superman. Got it. Right. <laughs> we um, I, I listened to our so I what I watched last stand, Abe, I listened to, listen our, to our, our audio commentary we recorded a week like we, we recorded that after we had a lot of premonitions in that one. We recorded that after Scott and I had seen Apocalypse before but before it had come out, so you guys hadn't, but we didn't really talk about it. But yeah, we certainly talked about how it would be a bad idea for them to do this storyline again. Well <laughs> here we are. Yeah, here we are. But that goes to what Eric was saying was like, yeah, Scott Kennedy loved like he wanted to redo the, the his ideas from like, you know, the rest of the other movies he's written on. Yeah. Well what else? Anything else on the Dark Phoenix? No, let's get to games. What else on Dark Phoenix? <laughs> Anything else? It would have uh it would have been cool if you guys just gave her the Dark Phoenix suit. I mean just go with That's it. That's asking way the, too much of the black suit with a big like, bird on yeah. it. Just like even the dark one, like not even like the golden blue one or the golden green one. Just like, yeah, just give her like the dark one. Like that would have been way cooler. Remember at the end of Apocalypse when a giant phoenix comes out of her and then we never talk about that again until this movie? (laughs) Yeah. Well, also, you guys like the way that it ended, like the way that um, that one comic book movie on on NBC ended with like a giant explosion in the sky. Anyway. How would you guys rate? Heroes? Yes, heroes. Okay. Save the cheerleaders, uh, save the world. It's a 1.5 out of 5 for when, me. When, when should people go and it. see this movie? Oh. Or you could... Wow, okay, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, or you could say, don't don't ever see this movie. Rent the digital. Yeah, like, that's it. Never You never need to own it. Just rent the digital so that maybe you can, like, be all cut up on uh, the X-Men experience on the big screen, but not on the big screen because this movie doesn't deserve it. Got it. Luke, when should we yeah. see this movie? Yeah, like when they do the 4K box set, you know, don't throw this one away. Hey. Yeah, it's a, it's probably one of those things where it's like premium cable, like an HBO. Yeah, no, if you, if you can get the disc at Redbox or watch it on <laughs> HBO, like, it'll, you know, it'll play out. Like, I do, there's things that, it's efficient. Like, that's what I do like <laughs> yeah, about I it. Like, it's, a, it's fine and efficient. Uh, it's... I, 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 Apocalypse is the bottom for me with this franchise, honestly. I really don't like Apocalypse. And having watched it again, it's like, yeah, I'm not wronging myself here. This is yeah. just a nightmare movie for me. There's so. like a funny tweet that I remember from when Apocalypse was kind of being released. And it was like, so you're just telling me that, that uh, Apocalypse goes down the world giving people makeovers. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it's, it's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, but yeah, this movie, again, I'm just like, fine. It yeah. Exists. We'll see what happens from here. Um, all right. <laughs> Here's to New Mutants next year. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I guess it's around for a while, and let's see what happens. 
Remember when the trailer came out? We're like, oh my god, this looks oh, great. Oh, this is gonna be amazing. Yeah, we just see it in a couple well, months. Maybe you were. I never thought it looked great. <laughs> oh, okay. I was well, like, what is this crap? It looked di- it looked different. That's what I liked about it. Sure. I don't know about like yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking, man, this is gonna be the best X Men movie of the ball. I'm just thinking, well, oh, that's a neat approach. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's get to a hey, what? What time is it? It's now time for a quick round of games. That was the uh, theme when Jean Grey actually goes back to her house. That's the doorbell. <laughs> I like the Kimberg's like, well, the house thing worked in my last movie. I guess I'll reuse that one for this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I'll make it completely different looking. Oh, and they don't live in a cul-de-sac anymore for whatever reason. Uh, what do you got a for beautiful Zabe? gray in the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, the first game I've got for you guys is called uh, Tweets. Uh, this is a tweet, and uh, if you guys know this tweet, this is very simple. It's very it's no no points given here. But if you guys know who uh, wrote this tweet, feel free to buzz in. Uh, the tweet goes: This weekend is so exciting for many reasons, but one of the most exciting is Dark Phoenix comes out today. I'm so proud of you, Sophie, and how hard you worked on this film. You did the research, you did the work, and you delivered. I love this movie. Go see it. It's fucking fire. Uh, I'm guessing someone on Game of Thrones, like uh, Gwendolyn Christie. I like that. I like that. Anyone else have a guess? I guess Maisie Williams? Maisie Williams. Okay, I like this Game of Thrones throne. Okay. Or, uh, <laughs> Game I like of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Aaron? Uh, any guess for you there? Uh, I don't know. Dinklage. It is written by her husband, Joe Jonas. Uh, oh. <laughs> moving into... <laughs> Everyone's gotta get that. Yeah. Moving into the next game here, the real game, HodgePodge X-Men Universe Edition. Uh, I'm gonna be asking you guys some questions about the X-Men in the movies, uh, and one of them involves uh, one of the X-Men in the comic books, but uh, if you guys know the answer, buzz in with your name and uh, tell me the answer. Say that again. I'm gonna be telling you guys some... or I'm gonna be asking you guys some questions from the movies. Okay. And one question from the comic books. Okay. So buzz in with your name uh, with the correct answer. No. Wait, so it's it's a mix of both? or okay. Only one question is from the comics. <laughs> Everything else is from the movies. All right, okay. All right, okay, here we go. First one from the comics. Uh, how tall is Wolverine in the comic books? Eric. Eric. Five foot two? Not correct. Yeah, Eric. Ah. Eric. Five foot one? That is incorrect. Luke with the steel? Uh, I'm gonna say five three. Five three is correct. Ah! <laughs> you guys kept on going lower, like no go higher. Well, he, he slouches. This is true. He does slouch. <laughs> Have you ever seen him in Marvel vs. Capcom? He's sitting there like slouching, like ah, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. Yeah, Berserker Barrage. Uh, uh, the next one here in the opening of X Men Origins Wolverine, which war is not depicted uh, that the two brothers are fighting in? A. World War One. B. The Civil War. C, the Korean War, D, World War II, or E, the Vietnam War. Eric. <laughs> Eric. The Korean War is correct. Uh, uh, next one here. In the X-Men movie Universe, how many times does Charles Xavier die on the screen? Eric. 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 That is incorrect. Really? Yeah, X-Men movie Universe. Aaron. Aaron. Twice. Oh, uh, correct. Damn it. He died about Logan. in Last Stand and in Logan. Yeah. yeah, about Logan. Yep, fair enough. Uh, next one here. What brand of soda is Wolverine drinking before the assault on the Xavier School? I would, by Luke. the way. I, Luke. Okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Luke, Pepper. Dr. Pepper is correct. Dr. Aaron, Pepper. what were you doing? In Last Stand, he, it, based off the post credit scene, he is alive. Yeah, but he's he alive. Did die. In like a, he's like in the, the form of like 
Yeah, Angel he put death, his, right? He put no, he put his consciousness into some bearded guy that Moira McTaggart's looking after. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'm gonna give a point to, to Eric there, doing too. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I know what you're, yeah, he does die. I mean, his body's blown into pieces. Into <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He gives a look to Logan. Logan's like, he no! Gives, and then, and then he it gives Logan like a weird smile. And then like college age me is like, wow, that's intense. <laughs> uh, next one here. You've just given Eric a leg up too, by the way. Uh, so the next one here. Uh, Brian Singer and Simon Kinberg have the same amount of credits for the X-Men Universe franchises. How many do they have each? Aaron. Aaron. Four. Four is correct. Uh, the next one here. Which character has not had two on-screen portrayals by different actors? A. Alex Summers. B. Kane Marco. C. Scott Summers. D. Victor Creed. Or E. Hank McCoy. I went with the uh, real name. Eric. Or Luke. Eric. Uh, Alex Summers. Alex Summers is incorrect. What? Has not had two on-screen portrayals by different actors. Uh, technically, I should have given you... I'm going to give you that one, too, but that's not what I was going for. Okay. Anyone, does anyone know what I'm going for? Well, now I'm more confused. Uh, like, what's your question? <laughs> can you read, can you read them again? Yeah, which character has not had two on-screen portrayals by different actors? Alex Summers is actually correct, but... There's only been one Alex Summers, right? There's yeah. only been one Alex Summers played by uh, MacGyver himself. Why would that not be the answer? What, that, what were your other yeah, answers? Yeah, actually, this was meant to be a trick question. I forgot to take Alex Summers out. Okay. What, <laughs> what were the other options? Uh, minus Alex Summers, it's Kane Marco. Scott okay. Summers, Victor Creed, or Hank McCoy. Yeah, those have been played. By... They've all been played by other people. Because of the because uh, of there's Bill two juggernauts, there's been like three Cyclopses. There's uh, been this Bill question Duke, did not Bill go according to plan, but, but you guys are all correct. Yeah, it's, it's more <laughs> the Scott Summers here. There's two Hank McCoys. <laughs> yeah, every everybody on there has had two on screen, minus Alex Summers having one, but Scott Summers has had three. Uh, so anyway, technically, so is Hank McCoy because he does show up in human form on a television in X Two. Yeah, next Two. Oh, lame. And it's okay. a different. I'm. I'm and it's a different well, Hank McCoy. It's Bill Duke playing a different. <laughs> and because everyone gets a point for that one, you guys are all now all tied. Uh, next one here. Who composed the score uh, for the most number of movies in the X Men franchise? A. John Powell. B. Marco Beltram. C. Henry Jackman. Or D. John Ottman. Eric. Eric. It's John Ottman. John Ottman is correct. Yep. Do you know how many? One, Just for... two, three, four, four. Mm, I counted three, but X2 <laughs> did best in Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, no, the first one is, what is it? It's, um, is it Goldsmith? I think it's Jerry Goldsmith. First one is... I think Michael it's Michael Lannan. Mike... Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah. Uh, next one here. Uh, this is the lowest grossing X-Men Universe franchise uh, movie in the, fran- uh, in the franchise. Eric. Eric. Wolverine. Wolverine is correct. Wait, so domestically? Domestically, yes. Because yeah. it's, it's not internationally. <laughs> right. But I, mean, I, isn't, I, isn't I think it's it it Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Technically, it would be Dark yeah. Phoenix, but the new release, so I'm omitting it. I believe, it's, I believe it's first class internationally, if I'm not mistaken. For the lowest uh, international grossing? Yeah. Either okay. that or the first X-Men. I'm going to believe you. Next question here. In the U.S. domestic, what is the highest grossing X-Men franchise, X-Men universe film uh, in the franchise? Eric. Eric. Uh, that would be Deadpool? Deadpool is correct. Yeah. And Two the didn't last... pass it? What's that? 
two, two did not pass it. it. No, it's not, still no. like it, it. Deadpool is still beat it by like you know I think like twelve million or something like that. Yeah. It was very small, but they, they made yeah. almost about the exact same amount. But Deadpool, yeah, yeah. three three twenty three to three sixty three. Yeah. There you go. Uh, last question here. This is uh, everyone's going to get an answer here, but this is a, a question which. I'm going to ask, ask you guys a question. You guys can tell me what you guys think the amount of time is. According to a handy-dandy breakdown I found on the Internet, in the most uh, in X-Men First Class, because they mentioned First Class in this movie, how much screen time does Professor Xavier have in that movie? In First Class? Mm-hmm. Screen time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <a> random question. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's hodgepodge. Gonna go Every, everyone's going to get a guess here. Uh, 100... 105 minutes. 105 minutes, is that from Luke? Eric. Uh, no, oh, no. Eric. Uh, yeah, yeah this is Luke. I'm going to say 45. 45 minutes. Aaron, do you have a guess? <laughs> um, Split the difference here. I'll say 51 minutes. 51 minutes. Everybody's incorrect. It's 34 minutes and 30 seconds. Really? Yes. How is it so little? He's in... Whenever I think about first class, I basically think it being half of his movie. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's I guess it's half him, or not half. It's a third him, a third Eric, and then like a bunch of Kevin Bacon stuff. Yeah, so that is just, correct. That's yeah. true. That's fair. So okay. Eric gets thirty-seven minutes in that movie. Uh, in any case, uh, it was pretty much uh, Eric. You, you ran away with the whole entire game. You win by six points. Um, again, the additional points kind of helped you, but also sure. helped everybody else. Well. Your, your poor questions didn't help anybody. <laughs> First of all, that was only one poorly oh. phrased question. Uh, with all that being said, though, Eric, yeah, congratulations. You are the Thank winner you. of this week's game. Right, just always love it. All right. Well, thanks, Abe, for that game. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Let's get to some out now, uh, feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. So we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/podcast. We had a number of questions for our listeners. They gave us answers. Then we got a lot of questions this week that we're going to answer. So let's uh, start going through it all. Uh, Eric, Luke, feel free to jump in if you want to on any of these questions we're about to throw over. Uh, first one: What X-Men character have the films done the best with when it comes to showing off their powers? Justin writes Wolverine by far. Renee has I've never read the comics or seen the cartoons, but my favorite character is Wolverine and Mystique. Uh, Shalem writes he's not an X-Man, but I would say Magneto. Christopher has Wolverine. Dennis has, I also kind of like the Juggernaut, Shadowcat Chase, and The Last Stand. Chris writes, yep, Wolverine, especially what the power was doing to his body in Logan. Jim writes Nightcrawler when they use him. So, right away, I'm going to say Wolverine is the wrong answer to this question. <laughs> I mean, Wolverine's powers have been so inconsistently used throughout this series, and somehow, the, even they get the claws wrong in some of these, specifically in Origins Wolverine. How do you get claws wrong? Like, it's just, it boggles my mind. Are you saying uh, that they're too long, too short? No, they're, they're, they they're like, so, like, poorly, like, they somehow, they're for some reason, they're like, we need to use CG claws for this scene. And they look <laughs> awful. So, just by that, I'm thinking, this is not a good way to handle Wolverine. So, I don't care. I, I get, yeah. In, you in to see thinking Wolverine for the listeners, screen. I guess what they're saying is, they've got, they're seeing claws, and they see his mutant healing ability. Yeah, I don't, I'm not playing this game. I don't care. His, 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 his claws sometimes look terrible, and his healing is all over the place. Sometimes he's growing all of his skin back in a second. Sometimes it hurts every time when they come out of his hand. So, I don't care. Like, it's never Technically, they hurt all the time. His mutant healing ability helps him go through the pain. I know. It's just the only the first movies where like it feels like it actually does hurt him. The rest is like, I guess I'm doing this now, and a new right, going Nacha, off. What's my... your answer? Nightcrawler, easily. Okay. <laughs> they had one thing to do, and they did it excellent. 
Uh, I'm gonna say Deadpool. I mean, like you mentioned the healing factor. I think they've done it. it like, because especially with Deadpool, it's meant to be like a comedic healing factor aspect as well. And they've done that in Spades, whether it's like Juggernaut ripping him in half and having to grow the baby legs, or having the mini hand in the first movie, or just like sticking his, just, like sticking fingers into his armhole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, I I, I love to have Deadpool has been presented on the big screen, especially with his powers. If you count Deadpool as an X-Men, then yes, I don't know. He's well, I think it's in the X-Men films. Yeah. Universe, he's in the yeah. franchise. Yes. Trainee. He's in there. Trainee. 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 Indeed. Trainee. <laughs> I think uh, the worst is wrong. Caliban. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys what? are all wrong. The answer is Colossus. I, I said I think the worst is Caliban, because he's two different characters in two different movies, and I have no idea what's going on with him in either one. Know. I would throw in um, Callisto in Last Stand, where it's like, what's going on here? Wait, 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 real quick. Who is in this movie, in Dark Phoenix, who is the hair guy, the guy with the dreads, the dreads of death? No idea. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, mean, I was curious if you guys knew. Like, <laughs> it's like, this guy, like, he's... We didn't talk enough about Magneto's cult that he's doing as, like, stealth advertisement for Midsummer, but, like, I'm into that. <laughs> exactly. Like, that was yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question. What's your favorite X-Men storyline in movies, comics, or whatever else? Jason has Jason Beach Pass is my favorite X-Men, story, X-Men people story. Philip has <laughs> Dolph, for sure. Uh, something about those Sentinels. Um, David uh, also writes Dolph. Uh, Mutant Massacre, the giant cross-time caper. Asgardian Wars, House of M, and Necrotia. And Renee lastly writes, Days of Future Past. Um, so Aaron, you're right, we talked about this. I would have loved to see uh, the Onslaught thing. The Onslaught thing is just probably one of my favorites of the comic book because that kind of really uh, makes Magneto and, and Xavier kind of blend, but then also all these characters start dying as well because they have to fight this super powerful being, and the only person that really stops it is a super powerful Jean Grey. I, um... It's not a specific storyline, but I really want to see a mojo thing happen in this in these, in these movies. <laughs> I think I love media. I think there's so much potential if you did like a Disney Plus service where it's like Mojo's hits and it's just like a random like he just tortures someone new mutants every week. <laughs> you know which uh, you know he, he's in the comic or he's in the cartoon series. So. I'm very aware. He's, I have all the cartoon have series. That. I have every single episode on DVD. So. Nobody nobody has to own them. He doesn't have to, but I do. <laughs> Uh, you talk about a, a series that did the Dark Phoenix storyline right, the X exactly. cartoon yeah. series. It's like, hey, we could space this out over like twelve episodes and make right. it work. Yeah. Right. Uh, I will uh, highlight. I mean, Chris Claremont's entire run on X Men is absolutely brilliant, which of course includes Dark Phoenix Saga. But like, I love uh, God Loves Man Kills, which of course was the inspiration behind X Two, and actually one of the like few times the X-Men like franchise has taken like a really great comics arc and turned it into and taken its own tweaks and like turned it into something great. Uh New X-Men by Grant Morrison is one of my favorite comics ever. Uh so I'll highlight that. Uh are we allowed to go to X books or are we yeah, just stick yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean Deadpool by Joe Kelly like I think that is the run that really kind of defined the character as did, and like what, uh, Jerry Dugan, uh, Jerry Dugan and, uh, Brian Posehn have done is absolutely amazing. And, uh, New, New Mutants by Claremont, which should be like fueling that New Mutants movie that we're going to be maybe possibly <laughs> seeing in a couple months. Uh, and, uh, the art in that by Bill Straczynski is absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff to recommend there. Awesome. I, uh, I like when Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale get together. And oh, yeah. So I, they have a Wolverine Gambit uh, book um, that's 
pretty entertaining. Especially oh, since I'm, I'm you not guys a remember when we were gonna get like I'm a not, Gambit spinoff? Don't we don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I'm not a huge Gambit guy, so like when I read a story that involves him, you know, that's actually well done. I'm like, oh cool, that, that worked out well. Right. Uh, yeah, there was that one time when what two years ago we were supposed to get Deadpool, X Men, Gambit, and and New Mutants. Or no, like it was what it was, it was no, it was last year, right? It was like X-Force. Dark Phoenix. It was it was X Force, Dark Phoenix, the New Mutants movie, and the Gambit movie. They're all supposed to come out like in the same year, right. and yeah, that that didn't happen. Nope. <laughs> was, well, happen. at least they didn't have like you know a photo shoot like the Dark Universe. True, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Well, they did. There's a big Comic Con photo of all of them, including Channing Tatum, on stage at Comic Con. Like, We're all going to be in movies! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next question here. What will finally bring Magneto peace? Justin has world domination. Honestly, I don't think anything can really bring him peace. Dennis writes, this Magneto? Disney acquiring Fox. <laughs> Jason has a 3,000 3, chess game. Uh, Chris has a nice cold beer. Yancey has recasting. Susan writes, him in my arms. And Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, writes, residuals? Uh, finally being done with this franchise is what's going to bring Magneto peace. Uh not having to appear in every single goddamn X-Men movie, despite, like, just because of star power, as mentioned before. So, yeah, I think that'll pretty much do the trick. I think your answer lies in fan fiction, and I think we all know what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cherik. That's all I'll say. That's what they call it. Cherik. Uh, I think that uh, Aaron's answer of Midsummer uh, will definitely give him some peace. So, like, running that cult? Well, you know, he's going to be the one that's, he's, yeah, he's going to be the one that, you know, just attending. He's not really running it. But, uh, next question. Uh, who should be leading the X-Men? Adam writes, anyone but Professor Xavier? Justin has Storm, unless he might catch Deadpool. Cyclops, so. if they get a good actor. Okay. Yeah, it'd be, it would be nice to see Cyclops lead the team efficiently for a change. Like, I sure. get to see that. Actually get that opportunity. Because, again, like, that should be the role that he plays in Dark Phoenix, except it's given to Mystique. Because, again, for some reason, Mystique has to be around every single goddamn time. Uh, so, <laughs> but, I mean, I, like, I guess, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, the setup of Professor X remotely Cyclops in the field, that feels like it has not yet been done to a reasonable degree of doneness. So, I guess... That is basically what I'm saying. Though, I mean, that's it. like, I'd, I'd like to see a cable run X Men at some point. That'd be kind of. Hmm. Okay. If we're going to just talk, talk about mixing it up. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, presumably, when they go to, like, years from now, when they're already in the MCU, they'll probably right. have to do X Men versus Avengers, right? Like, I can't. Yeah. That, that's oh, like a significant yes. arc that they would do. And so that's one where Cyclops plays a huge role in that Absolutely. series. Yeah. Like, he's, he's very much involved in that one. Yeah. Uh, what. Do you look forward to seeing in future X-Men movies? Keith writes The Return of Wolverine. Jason writes an X-Force movie. Adam writes Uncanny X-Men. Chris writes Honestly Not a Lot. I happily finished with Logan. Mm. <laughs> Seems to be uh, a Mojo solid was, I said Mojo already. <laughs> yeah, Mojo. <laughs> costumes. Honestly, just costumes. The actual like comic book costumes that we now know could play. And it, like, and if anything, it'll especially be good because it'll differentiate itself aesthetically from the X-Men movies that we've already seen. Mm. So, yeah. A really good story. There you go. <laughs> Too much to ask. Come on. <laughs> Be real. And uh, I will actually also just add in there just like the way in which the X-Men are introduced to the MCU. Just because like 
it, it is going to take some legwork, legwork just because you can't just tell me, oh, mutants have been here this entire time. You're actually going to have to explain why there are now mutants in there, in this world. And like, I trust Marvel to do the legwork there. And like, I don't, because I don't expect the, I don't expect the characters to show up for like five more years. I kind of expect them to use the next five years to figure out the best way to do that. So I mean. Yeah. The, the, the spoilery Spider-Man trailer seems like a pretty good answer to some of those questions. Already. Absolutely, <laughs> for sure. No, you're not wrong. You're telling me there's a multiverse? Um, also, also, the quantum realm, Janet Van Dyne is arguably a mutant. There you go. There you go. I mean, just imagine, you're sitting there, and Mojo walks out. And you're like, oh my god, guys, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it, Mojo's here. I'm just, this would be so fascinating to me. Uh, I mean, remember when... Remember when Blade had, like, the giant, like, blob creature in it? It's like, this is weird. Like, we're watching a vampire movie, and they got Pearl coming in here. And it's like, well, that's not something I expected to see after this blood rave. But all right, I guess we're going with this. We can easily fit a mojo in here. Pizza the Hut. Yeah. Pizza the Hut's a pretty good mojo. Anyway, the next question. Uh, Who have been your favorite X-Men villains? What villains do you want to see in the future X-Men movies? Christopher writes, favorite X-Men villains? General William Straker. Sabretooth. Viper. Lady Deathstrike, Donald Pierce, and the Hellfire Club. Uh, X-Men villains I would love to see in the future. Mr. Sinister, Arcade, the the Goblin Queen, a.k.a. Madeline Pryor, uh, Mojo, and the Shadow King. Justin has, Justin has Mojo and Spira. Adam writes, I want future MCU X-Men villains Mr. Sinister, Shadow King, Omega Red, and Emma Frost. Uh, Justin has Magneto, also Wolverine. Lastly, Justin or Leslie David writes, "Sinister and an, uh, an expanded Hellfire Club, especially Black Queen Celine." What was um? Oh, it was Silver Samurai in the Wolverine. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of. What are, a version like, of it? Of. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like, did they have Omega? They didn't do Omega right? They didn't do Omega right? That'd be no. interesting to see come to life. Sure. Um, I mean, I mentioned Mo- Mojo plenty already. Arcade would be interesting. I mentioned uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Like, Cassandra Nova is honestly one of my favorite X-Men villains. The, like, the the twin that Xavier killed in the womb that comes back with these, like, monstrous psychic powers is, like, she's awesome and terrifying and would be, and, like, and honestly, for a long time, I thought it's who Jessica Chastain was playing, but... Uh, of course, I was massively disappointed by everything about that role. So, yeah. Xavier's extended family is terrifying when you. Think oh yeah! About it. Oh, <laughs> for sure! Oh, one hundred percent! It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a terrifying brood there. Sure. It's amazing that he's the pacifist. Right? <laughs> Everybody around him. I mean, speaking of brood, what you just said? How about yeah. the brood? The brood. Yeah. Be cool. I remember that was great in the like, uh, I think it was like one of the Sega Genesis X Men. It was, like, it was like the second one, right? Yeah, like it was really cool. Yeah, it's a hard level. It is. Mm. It's a very difficult game. All the Genesis games are difficult. They do what they're doing. Yeah. It continues and everything. It's hard. <laughs> I gotta give this. I'd like to see Strife, especially if they stick with Josh Brolin oh, for another okay. movie and have him do Cable and Strife. I think that'd be hilarious. I mean, all the whole entire like summer storyline would actually be pretty cool too. Actually, playing that out to its full potential, yeah. And now it's in the hands of people I actually trust to handle it, as opposed to where it's currently been. Maybe so. we can finally get a Forge in there too. It's yeah, too. totally. Just did they have Bishop. one in Days of Future Past? No, they didn't have a Forge. Oh, no. was, oh that was Bishop. It's Bishop, yeah. Yeah, I don't like Bishop. I don't like Bishop <laughs> because of the cartoon. It's not him. Yeah, they, just because the cartoon like is so guy? annoying. It's like, I gotta stop him from the future. He's the bad one. I gotta get him. It's just so annoying to me. Tyson Bishop. 
Didn't, like, Rogue have to, like, punch him out with, like, her hand touch or whatever? Yeah, she does a thing. Uh, I will say this, having watched Wolverine again, the Origins, um, Liev Schreiber does so much to make that, try to make that movie work. He tries, (laughs) he tries very hard. He's he's rocking a black coat and, like, long fingernails, and he's so menacing, and (laughs) he's like... (laughs) It gave him, like, some sharper canines, too. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, now we get to some questions. We got a lot of questions here, so let's get through them. Alessandro asks, what do you think was Fox's main mistake with the X-Men movies, particularly the last two? What stopped them from being successful as the MCU, especially if you consider how well First Class and Days of Future Past and Logan were received? Not giving um, a shit about continuity. <laughs> that, that too, but also, I mean, the main mistake was actually just making them. I think patience, honestly, is what yeah. stopped them from being as successful. I think the, the yeah. lack of trying to do proper setting up and just rushing into a popular storyline wasn't the, you know, the best way to go. And if you, Luke? Yeah, you said it all. I don't have anything to add to that. (laughs) I actually actually do like their design for Apocalypse, but that's as far as I'll say. (laughs) I would would buy a toy of Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse if they ever make one. I'll say this. It wasn't, that wasn't, of the ills of that movie, Apocalypse's look ranks pretty low on my list. It's like yeah, there yeah, was it, one. There was one where they actually seemed to embrace the comic bookiness of it, and I think they should have done that more. Bringing brought in the '90s costumes more that they teased us with for a second. You know, they didn't move. With the, they didn't move with the times. They stuck in the 2000 superhero mood mode and never really broke out of it. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, the next question from Todd. How long should Disney, Marvel, and Feige wait to introduce mutants into the MCU? Should they look to the Fantastic Four first? I would say yes to the Fantastic yes. Four first. I think there's a way to do that that seems more seamlessly... You can more seamlessly add them to it than the mutants, where you, I think we need time to rest from them from right. X-Men for a bit. And then with Fantastic Four, I mean... Yes, it's like it's one random website, so it's hard to like put too much stock in this. But I know Peyton Reed, director of the Ant Man movies, has had a pitch for a '60s Fantastic Four film from a while ago, and right. apparently that might be a thing that's happening. I don't know if, how true that is, but that said, I think that could work pretty easily. Like if you already have Ant Man and the Wasp from the '60s like doing a thing, I think there's a way to be like, yeah, there was also Reed Richards and the guys, and like I think there's a way to do that in like a period setting that would actually be pretty cool. Um, or you can you know do it now, I guess. There's, it's a neat set of characters. I'd be happy to see them involved in some way in all of this. Right. I, I definitely agree. Period storytelling for the Fantastic Four is definitely the way to go for it. Just like especially nineteen setting them in the nineteen sixties. Completely agree with you there. Uh, with the X Men, I mean, to, what I was just saying earlier is just like they need to take their time with that, and I'm sure that they already have a very specific plan of what they want to do with Phase Four. Like I know, and like with Spider Man. They like basically rushed him in as soon as they got the deal, and he became, he became a part of Civil War, and then Homecoming, homecoming like disrupted everything. With this, they, there's no reason to rush. Like, just take your time. I don't want to see, I don't want to see X Men on film until 2025. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it seems like no audience wants to see X Men on film right now. Well, right, so, well, I mean, clearly, yes, exactly. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, Rachel asks, I love X Men the animated series and have been mostly frustrated with this run of X-Men movies, do you think it's a comic book property that is more suited to television when you can flesh things out better? I will Potentially. Say this. I will say this, because they have, I mean, yes, it's not the core X-Men characters, but what they did have that, what's that show? Gift, The Gifted, right? Which is an yeah. X-Men-themed TV yeah. series. Right. Uh, I, I gave up on that pretty quickly because I just wasn't a big fan of it. But I will say Legion, I've been yeah, a big fan of. I think Legion is pretty spectacular. Again, yeah. not set directly with 
specific X-Men characters that everyone's very you know familiar with or whatnot. It's Legion, and then I think it's pretty much there's Shadow King. There's like some that are there, but I think some are just kind of new to this whole thing. But that said, I think what it showed is that there's there. Are, I mean, as you asked, Abe. I mean, yes, there's a way to do these things as a TV right. series, especially at the time we are in with TV, where you can actually and you know make something compelling and that you know is fleshed out over time. Yes, there's there's a way to do that on television. I I guess I don't think it's impossible to do. For one thing, I like a lot of these movies, so I mean, right. I, I can understand right, right. people being disappointed with them. But I do think it's certainly possible to do these movies. Um, the ones that I like, I'd serve as an example. But even then, the more we get into superhero media, which is not like it's going any away anytime soon, I think the more you're going to have a chance to explore seeing better handling on some of these stories that you probably wanted to see. Right. You know, it's not impossible to make a movie, uh, but Obviously, some of the things, of course, I, if they if they kind of took this series seriously, great. But if not, then, you know, I, I do like First Class quite a bit. And that one was one where they focused a little bit more on a few select storylines and just went with it. So And you had some fresh doable. blood involved in the production process, too. That's true, too. Matthew Vaughn, yeah. Uh, next question from Jason. Should we change the name from X-Men to X-People? <laughs> it's very, it, I mean, it is, it is 2019, so maybe he's got a point. Yeah, uh... Doesn't really roll off the tongue. No, I, I think it's. Yeah. I think we're gonna stick with this. <laughs> <laughs> not opposed to changing it, but I think that may not have quite the ring. It needs needs some more focus testing. And I, honestly, we've there. seen it. We've seen New Mutants. We've seen X Force. I mean, <laughs> the name has changed. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Adam writes, "How do you both stay so fit and trim?" I love this question, Adam. Thank you for asking it. I uh, go to the gym and I, I try and run and walk. Yeah, Abe's wearing his Suns Out Guns Out uh, tank top right now. You can't, wear it. you can't see it, but uh, I did roll my sleeves up for my shirt. It's kind of warm in here. Okay. Uh, Marcus asks, am I in last place yet? Or he's talking about the summer gamble, and likely no. I want to say no. Yeah, he's got some picks in there that might be helping him out. Right. We'll see. Justin asks our last question here. I have been doing a lot of research on Keanu Reeves the last weeks. He seems to just... Be an all-around great person. I loved his part in Always Be My Maybe. With all the scandals in Hollywood nowadays, my question is, what are some all-around good personalities you love in movies and in personal life? Mm. Well, I, this is a good week we have this, because Eric and Luke, you guys actually do do a good number of interviews of people, That's right? true. Uh, I will say some of the friendliest people that I've met, uh, just for example, include uh, Henry Winkler, who is just... Everything that you wanted to be exactly a mensch. Yeah. Uh, both Ron Howard and Bryce Dallas Howard are bright rays of sunshine. Those people are they just exude niceness. Uh, mm-hmm. So have a ton of nice things to say about them. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really really nice people that I've met. In fact, it's the that's the other thing is like it's the bulk of the people I interview that are actually just really really nice people. There is certainly the occasional complete jerk. Uh, who sure. I, I, I'm not gonna necessarily get into here, but I don't need to do the uh, yeah. Sure. So I but, mean, it's okay to name yeah. names. You can name me. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, not Tom Hanks. Uh, actually, yeah, actually, I had just recently had the opportunity to meet him, and he is he is so on the ball and so smart and so crazy cool. Yeah, also great right. dude. Yeah, sure. I um oh. my interview experience is fairly limited, but I'll just say Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro is so generous. Yeah, like, absolutely talking oh, yeah. to people and being yeah. so invested and wanting to, you know, not just talk about his movies, but talk about film in general and just, like, the yeah. things that he does. So, like, that's certainly, like, one that I, is a very... I've met him multiple times at this point, so it's like, this is really, it's really nice that he's such a, yeah. a great all-around person, it seems. 
Um, and I'll, I'll throw in there like Edgar Wright. I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple times and he, he's, he, he certainly likes to kind of have fun with talking about his, his role in things, even though he's so much, he has so much admiration for the filmmakers that have come before him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had a great meeting with uh, Jeff Goldblum around uh, Grand Budapest oh, Hotel. Like I, so that whole, cool. I met the, like <laughs> most of the, like Wes Anderson and all those people, but like Jeff Goldblum was just like really, to me, he was just really pleasant. Yeah. He was a really pleasant person. He's one of the easiest people to talk to on the planet. Like mostly because all you, you can say like two sentences and then he'll go off on a story for like <laughs> six hours, which is great. It's wonderful because he has just, yeah, so much charisma. Related to X Men as well, Rob Liefeld is like that completely. Yeah, he's yes. like uh, yeah. And Rob Liefeld will actually interacts with most of us on social media on quite a regular basis. But I'm going to say my own judgment is not entirely reliable because there was a fellow I was doing a cover story on before he was famous, and he made an indie movie that never went anywhere. I spent a lot of time with him building up to his next one, which was a big studio movie, and he got screwed over on. And you know, I looked at some of his scripts. We talked a lot we hung out quite a bit and i was like i kind of feel like this guy's my friend now and uh that fellow's name was louis ck and uh i don't want to be near him anymore (laughs) so fair enough i I don't i don't know how good my judgment was i don't know if he was i mean you know even at the time in both tomorrow night and pootie tang there are scenes of the main character getting intimate with a dessert that made me think maybe something was up with him and uh yeah i think uh i feel kind of weird about that whole friendship now but it lasted a while well well let's do this now (laughs) well i mean what about okay so what about like on i guess on-screen personas was part of justin's question as well and i mean they're i mean yeah there's and louis persona well louis persona in stand-up was of the regular guy who's would you know, admits the bad things and is super sensitive to everything. And when he does something bad on screen, he's just like admitting that we all think bad things. And, it, you know, he see part of the reason everyone was so upset by the revelations with him is because he did seem like he was our buddy in a way. And I felt that on a one-on-one level, having met him many times. So, um, I will say on, on a, you know, on a lighter side, Jamie Alexander played Sif and Thor. I interviewed her one time for Thor, and then another day I was at a different junket on a different press day. Cross paths, she had her whole entourage, and she like turned around and said hello to me and said, "Hey, remember me? I was in Thor." That's cool. I was like, "Yeah, I remember talking to you." I was like amazed that she would remember me at all because I was no doubt one of many people talking to her about Thor. But that's one of the few where I've been really struck. Actually, another one uh, who I actually just recently talked to uh, for Men in Black International, Tessa Thompson. Uh, I've had a chance, like, since Ragnarok to interview her, like, three or four times, and she is a delight. Like, she is such a cool person. So, yeah, throw her onto the mix as well. Abe, any on-screen personas that you particularly... Well, this is actually a really good question because this is sort of in some that uh, one of our uh, friends of the show, Professor Mike Dillon, has asked us to, to sort of have a part of this summer. Um, so he's like, he's asked us like, who are some of our favorite, like on screen actors and actresses. And I submitted a few lists to him. And one of the, one of the people that I kind of really like to, um, one of the people that I really like to see on the screen is Rachel Weiss. Uh, she's mm-hmm. like, as an on screen, it just seems like she's having a good time all the time. And then the movie that I submitted for her in terms of the question of what you should check out, like is the brothers bloom. And it's mostly because like, she's really like weird and goofy in that movie, but also, I like when actors are kind of just like doing things that they don't normally do. Like you think of Rachel Weisz and it's like, oh wow, she's very good looking, and also she seems like she's a serious actor. 
when you see her doing like comedy or being like this introvert or being like just this recluse, um, I'm a big fan of things like that. So, uh, yeah, Rachel Vice is somebody that I, I always enjoy seeing on the screen, um, for that measure. And, and to your point about the whole entire social media thing, you guys point out Guillermo del Toro. Man, I love that guy because what happens is like he'll just retweet like some guy who has like two followers who wrote something nice to him or makes a, like, you know, writes a comment about like how he loves horror movies as well. And they just, like, at mention Guillermo, and he'll be like, yeah, no, I like this, too. And I'll, I'll like it and retweet it. Like, what a guy. Great. Well, I think we've satisfied that. <laughs> that question. We'll follow that Take that, Justin. Yeah. That was at my feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on now to at now. Out, out now as we wrap things up here. These are movies. There's some new movies that are coming out on DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, and all that this week. Uh, first up on home release, we have uh, first, feel free to give a yay or nay to these as I go through them. First up, we have Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Captive state. Uh, uh sure. It was okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be worth a rental, I would say. Sure. Right. Yeah, it's worth yeah. checking out. Yeah, it's got a good cast. Five feet apart. Which one was this one? I, I think that's the one where it. like they have like the the condition where they can't they're in love and they can't. Yeah. Really... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's played by one of those boys from one of those twin boys. The, the Strauss? That yeah, movie? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Mustang. I like this one quite a bit. Uh, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Confused. I actually like that too, yeah. That's not Mustang from like a. Few no, this years. is uh, uh, Mikael Schoenarts. Uh, Schoenarts, yeah. With, he's, uh, he's prisoners that are breaking in horses. Oh, yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's a documentary, right? No, it's a, it's a yeah, it's based yeah. on a true story. It's based yeah. off like a. Yeah, the prisoners actually do this, but yeah, it yeah. has a story. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it had. I don't need to get into that. That's too mean. Um, next up, uh, let's see. TV, we got, let's see, Orange is the New Black Season 6 is out this week. Sure, good job on getting six seasons. And uh, Johnny Quest, the complete series, is out on Blu-ray this week. What? That's fun. Oh. Okay. Johnny Quest. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Mean Girls 15th Anniversary Edition. Still cool. surprising, I guess, that that movie was as good as it is, so, yeah. Yeah. Let's see, on Criterion this week, you have Swing Time. I haven't seen it. And uh, let's see, on Shout Factory, we got a lot of things. We have Frankenstein Created Woman, The Entity, Can't Stop the Music, Jeffrey, and Piranha Steelbook. Hey. Hmm. Good job, Yang Steelbook. <laughs> so, a lot of options there. And let's see, on 4K, you have 13 Hours, the Michael Bay Ugh. film, and uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious, all eight movie collection. You get all, all the 4K? Fast and Furious movies are now oh. on 4K, yes. Nice. Well, yeah. hey, 13 Hours looks great on 4K, I will say. I'm sure it does. I mean, it's a Michael Bay movie. I'm sure it yeah, looks, it looks, sure it looks great. It's probably still just as boring as it was when it was in theaters. <laughs> Coming well, up Roy on... and Jim are, are together again. Yeah. Coming up on... <laughs> I like how Jim was in a horror movie last year, and Roy was in a horror movie this year. There you um, go. <laughs> let's see, on streaming this week, we have on Netflix, uh, The Chef Show. Ana and I watched the first episode of this. It's John Favreau's, like, and Roy Choi, they got together, like, I guess we'll just cook stuff and have our celebrity friends over to talk about it, and it's really fun. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really I, fun. I want to check it out. I haven't yet. Yeah, but, I've, uh, I've yeah. heard good things about it. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I Am Mother, we talked about already. Um, Designated Survivor Season 3. This is the Kiefer Sutherland Becomes President oh, TV three series. Three seasons already? Well, it got, no, it's it, two seasons that got canceled off ABC, and now it has a third season now on Netflix. Oh, you're saying, okay. So, for, and my dad and I, we were watching this show. I, we wouldn't call it great, but like it's back, so I guess we're obligated to kind of watch it. <laughs> I don't know. You gotta lastly, see how it plays out. Lastly, later this week, we have a Rolling Thunder review, a Bob Dylan net story by Martin Scorsese. 
So another uh, Martin Scorsese documentary which okay. is releasing on Netflix this week. So there you go. Let's see. Next week. Next week's show, we're talking Men in Black International. This is the latest entry in a Hemsworth replaces Will Smith in a movie franchise. Um, let's see. That's following, of course, Independence Day Resurgence and uh, Wild Wild nobody, West. Nobody remembers that movie. Wild Wild West, where Luke Hemsworth subs in for Westworld. It just makes sense. Um, <laughs> all right. Last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Luke, what should people see in theaters right now? Um, well, it's been a while since I've seen a new movie in the theaters. Uh, the last things I saw were uh, John Wick 3 and Detective Pikachu, which I like both of. Uh, but as as someone who also works in a movie theater, I can tell you that our customers would probably recommend uh, The Biggest Little Farm, the documentary, oh, okay. and, oh, yeah. the, and, the, and the Rudolf Nureyev biopic directed by Ray Fiennes called The White Crow. Those are the two most popular ones we have right now, and I've not gotten to see either one, but just based on the comments from people coming out of them, I perceive them to be pretty impressive. Great. What do you see next? Next, I'm seeing Toy Story 4. Oh, very cool. Eric, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, right. I mean, I, I guess once again, I'll just take this opportunity to promote Booksmart because, yeah. again, I think it's just one of the best things out there. Uh, and coming up, I actually have a really huge week. I'm going to be seeing The Art of Self-Defense, American Woman, uh, Stuber, uh, Annabelle Comes Home, and Toy Story 4. So, yeah, lots of upcoming stuff. That's a terrific slate. Right? Uh, I definitely recommend um, John Wick Chapter 3, and also, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm definitely going to recommend Booksmart, just like what Eric said, and next, Men in Black International. Yeah, I, I'm also seeing some Art of Self-Defense uh, this week, and uh, Toy Story 4 is coming up, and Men in Black, uh, as far as those things go. Uh, what I recommend, go see Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's awesome. And uh, if you can find it, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, it's the best movie of the year. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you got some good options out there for you. Uh, but yeah. Well, that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, There, and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All my stuff ends up over there. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron'sPS4. Abe? Check out my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Moose. Hashtag what killed the dinosaurs, the Ice Age, um, and <laughs> stuff that's the podcast. Luke Thompson, where can people find more of you? Uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, I am LYTRules, L-Y-T-R-U-L-E-S. And for links to all my work, there's a Facebook page, which has links to every article I do everywhere, which is facebook.com slash L-Y-T-R-U-L-Z, because I couldn't get the regular L-Y-T-Rules spelling there. (laughs) All right. Eric Eisenberg, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find all my work over on Cinema Blend. Uh, I'm the head reviewer over there as well as the events editor. So I do all, most of the uh, interviews out of Los Angeles as well as like feature work and stuff like that. Uh, I also have a podcast where we focus on all of the latest from uh, the world of superhero news and movies. So we just had our own episode talking about Dark Phoenix where, yeah, I just lambast the hell out of that movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you can really uh, check that. Yeah, right. Uh, shocking. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at E. Eisenberg. You can find all the other episodes about Now Third and Abe on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Sounds like Automatic or HHWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on Dark Phoenix or anything else we discussed this week over at Outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Also, send in your contest entries. Write to us over at Facebook.com slash Outnowpodcast or tweet at us at Twitter.com slash Outnowpodcast. Favorite Godzilla villain and why? Any of those places you can submit that <laughs> over there. And of course, Roland Emmerich. 
<laughs> Send us plenty of gifts over at uh, outnowpockets.tumblr.com, especially if you have scary clown gifts that relate to Godzilla in some way. I'd want an ABC all of those. Well, as long as they're not like you know uh, it or it two related, that'd be great. Yeah, but especially it and it two related ones to outnowpockets.tumblr.com. Uh, thank you, Eric and Luke, for joining us this Thank evening. you, Eric. Thank you, Luke. Thank, thank you for having us. Yeah, glad Always to have you pleasure. guys. Yeah, for sure. Have, glad to have you guys on. Congrats to Eric for winning the games, I guess. And that's going to do it. Yes. Yeah, so until next time, so long. And goodbye. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, you see uh, uh, Hank and, and Charles Xavier just getting mad at a dinner table because the dinner wasn't ready on time. Well, I mean, wouldn't you?